One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. nine, nine. Are we on the air? BMX Voice Show. MX Vice Podcast Show. I'm James Burfield, and uh, I'll be your host today, as always. I'm with the laughing Lewis Phillips. Hello. Yeah, he's, Hi. He's supposed to be the professional one, but he's in pieces I'm at the moment. I'm laughing because you're a joke. Oh wow, <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was fucking harsh. Yeah, funny though. Yeah, literally. If people don't know, it's really serious. I've got man flu. He's actually he lost his voice over the weekend, and uh, he's fighting through. A lot of people were happy, including me. Yeah. So, um, the weekend. The weekend. Well, actually, we should probably <laughs> say before, we've got a guest in, in, uh, in the studio today. Yeah, you've finally done it. Not in the studio at the moment, but in the studio no. soon. Yeah, so we've got Comrade Muse coming in um, and talk about the weekend, talk a little bit about himself. Yep, you've had two failed attempts at getting guests in, but here we are. You've done Third it. time lucky. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. you so, well. so, did you enjoy the weekend? I did. It was good. Gave us what we wanted as far as uh, shocks, surprises, and talking points. And how did our predictions end up? Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned this, because on Saturday night, the uh, qualifying show, or the Saturday show, yeah. on mxvice.com, I predicted that Karoli would win the overall, Geyser would finish second overall, and Paulin would finish third overall. So, you could say I'm a bit of a genius. Was that yours, or was that mine? That was mine. You sure? You might have said the same thing, but I definitely said uh, I don't it. think you had Paul on his third. No, I did, because I said it would be either Max or Paul in. I I'd think you Paul. said Max. No, because I said it would be either Max or Paul in, but I'm going to go with Paul in purely because I feel like he's a better mm. starter at the moment. I think you're making it. I think we need to rewind this. We're not going to rewind this. We're going to rewind the podcast show yeah. on Saturday night. I think you're making Saturday it show. If, um, if anybody does go back and, and listen to this, then please call Lewis out on Twitter. I have complete faith that that's what I picked. Complete yeah. faith. And I even managed to give you an explanation on why I did it. So that proves I'm not lying. Yeah. Just makes shit up all the time. Okay. So um, weekend. Would you like to start by getting on your soapbox and praising the British GP and Steve Dixon? Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic event. I mean, we're... I was cold. We were really lucky, yeah, but at least that. the sun was out on Sunday, and it, we were really lucky with the weather. Uh, it's just a real shame that um, more people didn't attend. I thought it was good on Sunday. Sunday looked good. Saturday was weak. Sunday was good, though. I guess it's just because we're so used to, like, previous GPs and the nations and I stuff. I don't know. I think I'd have to go back and look, and it's hard to tell, obviously, but I feel like the Sunday crowd was the strongest... I'd say it was stronger than last year's British GP, yeah. and maybe the years before that, but my memory's a bit weak. So. In my mind, I just hope that the guys have uh, done enough to, to make some money, um, cover the costs, and want to do it again next year. Let's hope so. It's really important if, you know, to have a British GP. Well, there's actually some questions coming up in the Ask Vice Anything segment about that. Really? Yes. Okay, I've not seen those questions. Ones. Oh, also, um, we should announce that um, Spenny... UK 71 is thrown the towel in. What? 
I, yeah. I, haven't, I genuinely haven't been told this. I know. Look at the shock on your face. I genuinely, what's going on? Yeah, well, he felt, it was, he, he said, like, you know, work commitments. And, and also, he said he didn't want just to, like, you know, be the same as, like, you know, another great show, which is Bob and Max. And he felt like with the five questions and stuff like that, it would be too similar. Which I, I, I completely understand. Yeah, I get that. But we just love Spenny and we wanted to involve him. You love Spenny. He's great. I know him through Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, we've got questions from the fans anyway, because I asked on Facebook, Instagram, well, and Twitter. Actually, Spenny did say that it worked really well with the questions from the fans. So he said that so that's I what we him should off. run with. Yeah. Well, yeah. don't I feel bad? Yeah. But yeah, we've always done a column on MX Vice called Ask Vice Anything. Mm-hmm. And my time is limited now. So okay. I don't really have time to write another column like that. Hence why Ask Vice Anything is now audio on the MX Vice show. Okay. So that's coming up. Right then. Is right. that your own show or? No, that's the MX Vice show. That's this one. Okay. That we're doing right now. Right. Ask Vice Anything is a segment. Did you, did you ask Vice to ask me if you were allowed to do that segment? I am the host. Uh, we did it last week. Did we? Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was ill. No, you weren't last week. You sure? No, you got ill on Saturday. Oh, it feels like I've always been ill. Yeah. Anyway, glad that we've managed to personally diagnose you live on the air. No, it's cool. Yeah, it was touch and go over the weekend, but I managed to... Yeah, we almost got rid of him, but he's here. Yeah, I'm back again. Fuck's sake. I'd like to uh, thank Ignite CBD. I'm only joking. Oh. I don't even know where you get it from, but it's good good enough for Dean Wilson. I actually would like to try it. Uh, What, cannabis? No, the CBD oil. I think it'd be great with cannabis. It would chill you the fuck out. I can't chill out. I'm trying to get a bloody... To all the stat sheet fans out there, all two of you, yep. including myself, I'm trying really hard, and I'm currently 600 words in. It's Wednesday midday. It's not looking good, I'll tell you that, but we're going to truck on and try and get it done. I think you just trot the pool. There are some, blo- there are some bloody good stats in here as well. Ever since Racer X came in, oh you've my. just been different. Anyway, can we get into something, anything? Yep. This is Waffle. Oh, How, are we yeah. ever going to learn? Nope. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. We want to waffle, waffle. No, I listen to the public. The we want fans. to talk about a British championship. We can talk about a British I'm champ- a people person. Okay. I listen to the fans and let's eliminate the waffle. Okay, right. Well, so, what should we start with, host? What are you asking me now? I've never led. You've always led, host. Okay. So, um, well, let's talk about the weekend. I mean, the... the tra- oh, really? That's a, that's a, that's a shocker. Oh. <laughs> Woke up like that today, have you? <laughs> oh. So, um, the track looked great. The event looked great, um, and the racing was great. Indeed, indeed, and indeed. So there were some comments about the old track prep. Some people said it was uh, different, Matley. Not bad, but like whereas normally you'd have quite soft rolling bumps, they were quite choppy, hard-edged, and a few people weren't so big fans of that. Some was low in the second moto, which is a result of it being this early in the year. Some yeah. people weren't fans of that. Some people said it would. Um, Needed to be ripped more. Sean Simpson, I think, said on the live commentary that he wasn't majorly impressed with the Saturday prep. But then they chucked a load of water down on Sunday morning and that kind of opened it up a little bit more. Okay. Opened it up so much, in fact, that riders decided to just ride on the grass around the outside of the track and I, form their own lines. I did see that. And I think it's about time that we got back to having some grass on GP tracks. Well, hay bales were uh, put down in the second moto to stop some of that. Were they? Yeah. And if I, I think can, it was great. If it was I can like find new lines. It, if I can find it quickly. So these. Did, you're telling me somebody hit hay bale. No. So these, oh. these lines were questionable, obviously. I thought it was Everyone great. Everyone was doing it. But 
after after the race, I interviewed Tommy Searle, and disappointingly, <laughs> he told me that before the second moto, the only track the only track prep they had done was every little smooth line that he had in the first race. They put hay bales on it <laughs> so that he couldn't go around the bumps anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to break it to him that that probably is against the rules, but. <laughs> Oh, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> Another cracking Tommy Sell interview on MX5. Oh, brilliant. Can't believe I just said cracking, but it yeah. went well. No, no, he's a funny guy. And he's really honest as well. But yeah, a lot of people were doing, deciding to run it in hot on the outsides of the track and stuff. Because we had these little white stakes, which, as Sean Simpson said, doesn't take much to move them. No, and I think it was, I think it was great. I was watching people sort of going up um, uh, the uphill triple. And when they got the uphill triple, they were literally just going around the outside on the grass. Great beef. I would have done it. I don't want to talk about the track too much because we've got quite a few questions relating to that in Ask Advice, anything. Okay, is that coming so, up later in the show? Yeah, so should we move on? Because otherwise, I'll, there are actually some good questions that I'd like to expand on. Okay. And I feel like I'm in danger of doing that now. I don't want to shoot my bolt too early. So Yeah, we know all about you shooting your load too early. Um, um, so let's go, uh, let's talk about surprises the weekend. I mean, I kind of poo-pooed the whole Tom Vial thing and he actually... Came out swinging. Can we start with MXGP? Alpha. Oh, <laughs> this is feedback. People don't like when we start with MX2. You can't just be like the British Championship and just because just you feel like it changed something. Oh, Jesus, why are you doing this? Um, <laughs> MXGP? Right, go on. MXGP. Okay. What's your MXGP surprise? I'm not talking about it. You talk about it. I was fine with MX2. Okay. <laughs> well... I'll just switch to my MXGP screen then. Okay, while you're doing that, my MXGP surprises, and we're moving further down the list here early on. Oh, but there was one surprise. What? Are we talking about Tim yet? Um, my surprise was Jeremy Sewer and Glenn Koldenoff made like astounding progress in Col- the three weeks. Koldenoff looked great in the second In the three so. weeks since Argentina, which isn't that long, considering they wouldn't have got back till Wednesday. So that's two and a half weeks. Then take away the fact that in Belgium and Holland they had horrific weather. Like, both, well, there was no practice. There would, it wouldn't have been possible to use those three weeks fully. Didn't Koldenhoff actually raced in the, the French? Yeah, after the Dutch Masters yeah. got cancelled. He went to the French Championship. The 24MX Tour. Uh, yeah, that, that's what it's called. Yeah. But, um, Great name. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been possible to properly use that time. Yet they both seem to have massively turned it around and worked through their health issues. So we may see 100% performances out of those sooner rather than later, I guess. And one person that you've been poo-pooing all year is Jazakonis. Yeah, I'm starting to swing him for I've, a fourth. I think I've got to turn it around. I think you need to give him credit where credit's due. Yeah. Obviously, at the start of the Do season... Do you want to apologise now? At the start of the season, we had to make, pick a person who maybe wouldn't meet expectations and be in the team player that I am. I did that. And, and he's, he's proven me wrong. that Although I, might, wrong. I did clarify my pick by saying that I don't think he's going to get on a podium this year like a lot of people do. Right. So he's not quite proven me wrong yet, but he's close with two sixth overalls in a row. Okay. I didn't think he was backing up sixth overall. Well, he was only three seconds behind Paul Lamb in Moto 2. Exactly. I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. Especially around Matley of all tracks. He, he looked good. He I... should be good at Vulcansward. Yeah. And then later in the year, Lommel and other sand events, but... Kagan's. Vulcansward should suit him a million times more than uh, Matterley did. So could we see a, a podium this week? You well, can't even rule I, it out I now, can you? Well, no, because I predicted that he wouldn't get on a podium this year. So I need to stand by my predictions and not be wishy-washy. Yeah. I think you need to man up and go over and speak to him and say, I'm really sorry. I have a good relationship with Jazakonis. 
I'm just saying it's that. It's personal. Probably... I had to make a pick. Yeah, I'm just saying that. It's probably disappointing. I can't remember who bit. you picked for your disappointment. I think you might have refused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Not willing to play the game. Yeah, I think I've chosen Luzardi. Anyway, so the top of the results? Yes. Yeah, we like to... Like, let's talk people through their structure. If you've, if you've only listened to the MX Vice show, um, maybe never before, <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> Lewis likes a structure. So we have to start at the top. And he has these groups of riders. Well, no, because who... it just doesn't make sense if we just dart around all over the show, does it? No, not if you've got OCD, no. Okay, I don't, but it just makes it. I mean, Antonio Caroli went 1-2, took the overall, held on to the series lead. I feel like it's only right that we start with him and give him the respect How that he deserves. How good was he in the last three or four laps of um, race two? Did you know that he was injured? No, I did not. <laughs> you didn't? I, I tell. had no idea he was injured. <laughs> so he overjumped to... Uh, he overjumped to jump in training on uh, in a week before um, Matterley sometime and hurt his neck and shoulder and that kind of made him a bit uncomfortable all weekend. He wasn't sure if he'd be able to train this week leading up to Volkenswald. He said he really just what generally wasn't sure how it was going to go. So he definitely wasn't at 100% yet. Was got it, the job done again. So reading to that what you had? will. He didn't crash. Just overjumped to jump. Really? So no. just a hard landing. Just the impact. But then it's not hard like if you have a hard landing to jar your back or something like that, it's not difficult, is it? No. So we've all been there. Yeah, I mean, I've, the amount of 90-foot doubles I've um, struggled on Yeah, came up a little bit, sometimes short, a little bit too long. And uh, that impact, yeah, really hurts. But uh, obviously, he won again. And interestingly, being a nine-time world champion, you think, of course he's going to win. But yeah, of course. course. This is expected. He doesn't always win that much this early on in the season. Does he like to get warmed up? He's typically a bit of a slow starter, and then like by rounds four or five, he kicks it into gear a bit. Now, I think this is a reaction to the Hurlings uh, duel last year. Right. I think he came in with a bit more intensity and everything. But winning the first two rounds of the season, you'd think he's done that before. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you? Well, yeah. He has in MX2 in 2007. Really? That's it. What? So even pre-Jeffrey Hurlings? Yep, never won the first two rounds overall. How? Oh. I'm just thinking back. No, nope, I've looked this up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're the guy. Yep. No, okay. he hasn't. Some okay. rounds. Well, I, I believe you. He rarely has the series lead after two rounds. I find that really hard to believe, but I do believe you. Uh, that's a little preview for stat sheet for people. Whether it goes out or not, you've had that yeah, one. Yeah, if he finishes it. It's a long project. But yeah, yeah. so this is using that line of thinking... Mm-hmm. You'd presume he also gets better from this point on, as so, it has done in the past. So weirdly, then Corelli's in a better position at the moment than he's ever been. Yes. Wow. Who would have thought that? And his greatest competitor is out. Yeah. It's all looking good. Okay. So is that Antonio done? What? What did you speak to him about the weekend? What did I speak to him about? Yeah. Oh, not, just stuff. I've not read your rubbish. I don't listen to your rubbish podcast. Just stuff. We just yeah. generally chatted. Well, you do, don't you? No, we talked about his uh, injury. Yeah. Talked about him. Thought this was a great question. Okay, but I've never heard anyone ask before. Right. Pat myself on the back there. I asked him about how different it is for him chasing Hurlins down as opposed to chasing Tim down. Right. And whether he approaches it differently, which I think is a good question because he has to know that Tim is prone to crash from time to time and make mistakes. Yeah. He also knows that Jeffrey is just this solid rock of a rider who isn't going to do anything wrong. Yeah. So you'd think about play, and he did say that he knows that Tim's strength is one lap speed and his weakness is he's prone to mistakes. Okay. So interestingly, 
Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Like, no, that's interesting that he's, he's like and I anal- analysing his competitors. I, we didn't really get into it too much, but I wondered if that was why he started his charge in Moto2 so late on. Because he was waiting and waiting and waiting. And thought he was tired, the pressure. Yeah. Okay, it's cool. But then equally, he said the same thing. Sun was low, back, uh, neck, shoulder was hurting. Well, not hurting, but he wasn't at 100%. So he didn't feel comfortable pushing until those last few laps. He's you know warming up, cool? I guess you could say. To be that good and analyze your competitors, but to be that good and know that you can charge them down in the last four laps and you can just pull it out. That's just so cool. Yeah, he's quite a good rider. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a rider, isn't he? Okay. You could say that. Yeah. But yeah, so he didn't go 1-1, which is what I thought would happen. Yeah. You did say that. I'm he not would sure what just to, walk it. I'm not sure what to make of him not going 1-1, or, and I'm not sure what to make of guys are going 3-1. Yeah, but let's, let's face it, he still took the, the overall. Yeah, this is, like I say, I think he gets better. And bearing in that in mind, this is a pretty much a perfect start, and I don't think he could have asked for any more, especially considering his lack of wins last year. And he's got an eight-point lead. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit early to start counting points, but I just say, like I say, it's rare for him to be in such a strong position so early on. And just think about when Herlins comes back. It's, not, it's going to get easier for Caroli and harder for Geyser and people. Yeah. Because if anything, Herlins will be between Caroli and Geyser. Not because of team orders, just because Caroli has more of a potential to beat Herlins. Yeah. Than the case of Geyser managed to beat Herlins straight up, have Herlins in second, then Caroli third. So, so it's just an interesting old game. So let, let's look at um, second overall. Uh, the weekend in MXGP. Tim. Which was Tim. Tim. And he looked fast. Do you want to know what, I, whilst watching Tim, I was that thinking emoji, thinking it like, yeah. from the first lap of Moto, Moto 1, before yeah. he crashed, I was just like, because he was going fast, and I was watching him, like this thinking emoji, thinking, how's this going to go? Can he sustain this? Is this just his speed? Yeah. Then he crashed horrifically, and somehow, Somehow got up, finished third. Like, did you see how bad that crash was? I can't remember a time. I can't remember the last crash I saw that was that bad. Yeah. Like, okay, you go back to Anderson's crash at the Nations in Majora, but that wasn't his error. If you get, that wasn't the same kind of crash. No. But I can't remember. I've just seen a rider crash that bad all alone. Yeah. And, did he talk uh, to you about the crash at all? Yes, he did. And what, was, what did he say about well, it? Well, you'd think it was because his lap times were great. He was pushing hard. You'd think it was down to him forcing a limit. It was actually bad line choice. Really? Because he went down the middle and uh, the lap before the crash, he went down the middle for the first time and got a bit sketchy and said, but he thought to himself, next lap, I'm not going to go in that line. <laughs> As you do, yeah. Yep, he thought to himself, yeah, next lap, I'm not going in that line. Screw that. And then yep. he said he didn't know what he was thinking. Because the next time around, he went in the same line and paid the price. Wow. But again, interesting that I think that a rider of that caliber, caliber yeah. can analyze a mistake in that way. Yeah. Like, I fully expected him to just say, things happen, and yeah. But, but no, he knew full... it's just down to a bad choice. Yeah, interesting. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, literally, the, those riders at, at that level can, can understand, you know, if I hit this at this speed. Because I did think that, he wouldn't really be able to talk about his crash so much because I presumed it was just one of those things that kind of happened really quickly and next thing he knew, he was laying on the ground. Yeah. But he seemed to have a full grasp of what he did wrong. Probably should have just took Tommy's line. And if you, uh, if you class this, everyone's going to look at this as 
this is guys are crashing. How many times have we seen this? Maybe not. If it was just bad line choice, maybe this isn't the same old Tim Geyser. No. Because it isn't him throwing it away. No. Which maybe gives us a little hope for the future and the fact that he could maybe make a little bit of a consistent run at this title. Well, one of the things which did come up on previous podcast shows was the peak, um, where I was mentioning that every time Tim crashed, the peak came off. And this time it did. So, but we did see in a second that the peak stayed on. So that's good. Okay. That's just my analysis of, of the peak. Actually, the peak did its job in the first race because had that peak stayed on. Oh, he would have been in, a, yeah, he would have catapulted over. But yeah, the peak did its job came off. The yep. number plate came off. Yeah. And his tear-offs came off on one side. Yeah. Which once again, with all of this stuff happening, he somehow just got up, didn't care. And the next lap, basically, I can pull this up actually for you right now. Another little bit of a stat sheet preview for you. On the um, lap before the crash, he did a 2.25. Yeah. And then he crashed on the following lap. On the lap after the crash, he did a 2.26. So basically got up, rejoined the race with all of these things going on, a number plate that was hanging by a thread the entire race and must have driven him insane. Yeah, because it, it, it looked like he kept tapping his knee. Well, he said it stopped him from putting his uh, leg out in left turns or right turns, whatever side it was. So it did irritate him. But yeah. the fact that he managed to get up and immediately hit the same pace is phenomenal. I don't really understand it. Well, for all those people which actually did uh, message in and say uh, about the peak, we've actually, uh, we're actually going to be talking to um, uh, one of the guys from Fox on the MVRS. So we've got some questions to ask um, uh, Market Fox. So if you have got anything that you would like to ask about the peak, um, and the MVRS and Fox Helmet, then obviously call in because uh, we got some questions that we're going to ask and um, they've actually been quite good with their feedback. Interesting. Yeah, very good interesting. see you doing some work. Well, it is known. Uh, maybe, maybe mostly Mondays and Tuesdays I, I get the work done. And then Wednesdays I just get to do this with you. Then Thursday is just a good day to have off. Fridays I like to travel, so that's my week really. Thanks for that. I'm sure that's really what everyone tuned in to find out. Yeah, no problem. So, um, but Tim looked great in on Saturday. Based on Matt so Lee, fast. Are you more? Are you more willing to say that he has a? Okay, would you rate his title chances higher than you did after Argentina? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I think if you know now with the injury to February, I think Tim Geiser is 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 the guy that's. It's just going to be him in him in Caroli year i believe from what i've seen in the first two gps and the intensity well that's what uh, impressed me the most in matley because he didn't really have that in argentina because um i obviously said after argentina that he disappointed me because he started ahead of crowley and didn't take advantage of that like i thought he would well that turned around in matley and he actually did the reverse he didn't start ahead of crowley but somehow blew past him within a lap and showed the type of speed that I expected to see in Argentina. I guess it just took him a while to work into it. And I'm sure he made gains in the three-week break as well. Yeah. But yeah. this, if he can continue at this level, then that's way more exciting because I was a bit worried after Argentina. And it was interesting, last week's podcast show, you said you, di you didn't quite know which Tim would be at Matali because there's, there's the Tim what's done very well at Matali and there's a Tim which has had the, the odd... Up and down at Matterley. We've seen everything. We've seen a bit of both, but I, I, I was really impressed because you could see the way that Caroli, the intensity from Caroli in the, in the last three to four laps, and even with that pre pressure, Tim coped with it. I was equally impressed on a similar 
note that Tim wasn't phased by that crash because I feel like in the past he wouldn't have gotten up and finished third. No, no way. So I feel like that's almost a bit different. Let's face it. Most people would have had that crash. They would have just walked off and no one would have been... I'd still be lying at Matterley now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Probably six foot under if I'd have tried that. Um, but uh, I think that's what the interesting... That just shows how hardcore he is because most people... Would, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think anything different of somebody just like, do you know what? That was a big one. I'm just going to walk off and make sure I'm okay. But literally, that's how much he wants the title. I'm straight way more, back on the bike and straight into to race base. I'm way more positive about Geyser now than I was after Argentina. And I'm, very, I'm much more interested to see how this is going to go. And I'm, I just believe a lot more that this is a Geyser who is at least close to the level that we once saw him at. And definitely above where he was at last year. And um, one thing I do want to bring up um, as we're keeping it Honda is something that you've definitely got wrong as well, um, which is Jeremy Van Horbeek. You said that usually the first European GP previously, we've not seen the same from JVH, but this time again, he, I thought he, he'd done really well. Yeah, it was a quiet weekend. Yeah, quite quiet weekend, but still. But then that's what he needs. He doesn't, he's had so many ups and downs in recent years. He needs a quiet fifth overall. Yeah. That's kind of where he needs to put himself. And to, again, to do it with a privateer setup or however much you want to read into the privateer setup, and all of that is uh, it does blowing like a, the expectations of people away. It definitely. I met, I met the uh, the team manager the weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's definitely a, a close knit, small setup. Hundred percent. I mean, they've got a few sponsors on board, but they're still actively looking for more. So um, it's quite. It's, it's an. In, it's going to be interesting to follow them throughout the year. Um, and I'm sure they're you know super well organized, but. I know from from working with other teams about starting from scratch, and if you if you think about it, this team was built for um, Let Two K. It yeah. was not built for MXGP. So you know they I think they decided two weeks before the season started to go into MXGP. Yeah, two or three weeks. Yeah, I, I'm I, I think that if they were here, they'd be quite honest in saying we're probably not even seventy percent ready. I think they've still got a long way to go with um, sponsors' parts. We, we, we said, I think, two episodes ago with um, regards to budgets were signed off last year. But that's not just for a manufacturer. That's for all brands. So them now having to go, I mean, brands are going to say, right, okay, have we got, he seems to be doing well. Have we got a t- contingency? Have we got anything here that we can yeah, help support? Yeah, and in most his- cases, the answer will be no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a, a good conversation a weekend with... Um, uh, you know, race winning brands, and it looks like they're going to be offering JVH some support. So it looks like he's going to be getting some clutch and piston bars. Oh, really? Yeah. So it looks like, you know, if that's going to be. What brand's that? Uh, I think it's probably going to be like Prox, JE, and um, Recluse. I can only guess because race winning brands have got quite a few under their. Uh, oh, I've, I thought you were saying you spoke to race winning brands as in. Oh, uh, race winning brands is the company. Yeah, I thought you meant yeah. you spoke to race winning brands as in generally just speaking to brands. No, no, no. But interestingly, they 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 have quite a lot of uh, really good products in, under one stable. So um, yeah, it looks like they're going to be up in well, not up in. They're going to be giving some support to JVH. But again, if if you know you know from what I learned from from teams, if they're looking at producing or providing this sort of support, then it kind of begs to you know, start to think. Uh, what else do they need? So it's like, I think we're going to probably see this team evolve over the next um, three to four months. And anyone who wasn't there, he was pitting out of the pop-up 
which doesn't really mean much, but it just gives you an idea of the fact of the scale of the operation, I guess. Yeah, I mean, hey, I've been quite close to GWR over the the past, um, you know, four or five months with um, their development, and I've seen what they've had to basically turn around and achieve over over that. So I kind of know the ups and downs and behind the scenes and what's going on there. So I can only assume that, you know, the same thing with JVH is, you know, there's there's going to be some growing pains in there this year, and that's kind of what I foreseed when I said, "But uh, well, I'm not sure if he'll continue his Argentina level of riding because it's, in the past he hasn't managed it. So why would he be able to manage it not on a factory team?" It's it's going to be interesting because um, how how he's going to need to concentrate or focus on the riding side, but also he's going to be hindered by maybe not having the parts or the you know the the products that he he wants and sometimes that can go into a rider's head with if only i had this i could be this much better and it's about how positive he keeps through this whole process and focuses on do you know what i'm doing the best with what i've been given and if the best is a fifth or the best is a third then that's fantastic if he keeps that positive mentality going forward i think he could have a great year i think the little things when you get the little knockbacks i think it's about how you know a rider is 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 going to come through this and, that, was a, um, that was a speech that was. I'm just trying to register. I, that, exactly that's me done now, to be honest, for the that day. So a, um, uh, I reckon we should just leave yeah, it no, there. I think that is, he has got that bit between his teeth. I think that is why he's doing so well. It, like you say, he's falling on the positive side of the coin than the, rather than the woe is me kind of side. Yeah. So, And I mean, he's not got to look too far you know, out of, of the GP to see some of the riders, which are still not riding. Those places, you know, we, we keep talking about Valentin Guillo every Yeah, every where week. is he? Where is he? I mean, we're waiting for a fill-in ride. So, um, but no one seems to be needing a fill-in ride at the moment. And we still got him sat on the, the sidelines. And again, you know, this must be going through a lot of the riders', riders minds for next year. It must be some super motivation going into next year, knowing that what's happened this year. And with the amount of riders coming up from MX2, you know, all these riders know they've got to give 110%. They can't give anything else. That is going to, I feel like, the face of the paddock silly season and all of that is going to make this season interesting. I think it might break MX Vice because usually as soon as we start talking about stuff and as news comes, we, we know the stats and everything else and we know what the interest is. I think this year is just going to be insane. I'm already hearing some things. Really? And it's earlier than usual. Wow, not, round not concrete, two. No, not concrete things. Yeah. Just general chatter about, oh, who's up? Oh, like, you like know. Contracts. And, yeah, just, okay. just like people are starting to talk about what's just generally chatting about yeah. who needs a deal at the end of the year and who's moving up and that kind of stuff. So I, f- I think it's always interesting when you go to uh, probably around about June, July, and you walk around the pits. And uh, I always find it funny because um, although it's kind of like secretive, then you get some people who are just sat in the awning in a different shirt and uh, are actually talking about next year. And it's like, and as soon as you bring this up, it's like, well, you can't say that, but you're, you're sat in front of, in the middle of the pits, in front of everybody walking past, negotiating for next year. I do find that funny. I know you find that funny. Yeah. I'm sure the, the, the people listening to this would find that quite funny as well. Indeed. But you I find- remember there was an example, uh, who was it? What, well, I know who it was. What year would it have been? 2015, Udavala. Dean Ferris was sat under the KRT awning in the hospitality area, having a meeting. Like, bold as brass. <laughs> It's just like, I remember just like being like, well, 
I guess I better write this one down. Yeah. Get ready for that to happen. Yeah. But it's interesting as well because nothing ever obviously ever came of that. No, I mean, yeah, you could be caught out. But I, I guess these, you know, unfortunately, our race weekend, this is going to be the, the prime time for when people can actually talk and negotiate and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not like we have a, well, we do kind of, it's not like we have a center of the industry. No. So, um, another person who, uh, who done well the weekend was Gaultier. I'm starting to believe. I, I, he told I me that he's you. riding like Gautier Pauling, and I never you. knew what that meant. What did what come of the uh, the the part which they knew they needed to work on? Is that happened? Did it was just start. Him? It was just starts. Oh, so it's nothing. He doesn't give what? away much. Whole shot device. He doesn't give away much, but whatever they were working on was to improve his starts. And okay. I mean, compare it to Argentina, it worked. So. He said there are now lots of more little things that he needs to work on, but I guess that's the pressing thing that's out of the window. So, and if he can get and keep putting himself in those positions, yeah, maybe he does win a GP. Yeah. Maybe I'm not there yet because I'm still a bit wary. Like, there's only so many rounds, and Crowley's going to take a large chunk of those. Could you see it happening this weekend? Winning, he's won it Val- Valkens Valkenswald before, hasn't he? Twice. Mm-hmm. But Crowley's so good in the sand. But still, he was beat by Paul. But Volkswagen's always early in the year. And like I said, Karoli typically peaks later on. Yeah. And he may not be peaking right now. And he has actually said as much. But still, the level that he's on is greater than what we've seen before. Yeah. Like I said, I think Karoli wins this weekend. I think, if anywhere, Karoli loses in Trentino. So do you think uh, we're seeing a, so a bit early for predictions, but... Um... Are we seeing Paulan fighting for first, maybe second overall this weekend? Or do you think Tim will be there again? I think Caroli, Guys, are Paulin are your top three for the time being. Really? I think so. Okay. But that's a fair statement. But it's going to be great because when you look at this, we keep talking about it all the time, but when you look at this, you then got um, DeSalle, Van Horbeek, and Jazakonis, all really good Sam riders, all knocking on that door this week. An interesting thing that I... Uh... Oh, are we keeping you up, mate? A li- huh? little yawn there? You I'm, I'm actually okay? quite ill. I'm also ill. Oh, I'm, I'm close to passing out, but we... <laughs> right, just keep it going, mate. Keep okay. it going. I'm just trying to keep my levels up. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing, when I interviewed Paul in on Sunday night, is for the first time, or was it in my interview? <laughs> I can't really remember. <laughs> I saw him say somewhere for the first time that he isn't like reference the fact that he's not on a factory team. And okay. I thought that was interesting because I've never really heard that come up. And I almost thought that it was irrelevant. But it was the first time I've seen him say to someone, like, yeah, we've got to try and keep up with the factory teams or whatever. Okay. Just interesting. Yeah. Because I, I generally just thought that would never even enter. I thought that was almost a mute point because Wilvo obviously a world-class operation and they seem to have everything. Yeah. And I think they do have everything. Yeah, I'd be surprised. If, I'm sure um, it was just a throwaway comment and just like referencing the situation. Yeah. But I'd be surprised if, uh, you know, if, if they didn't have the parts which they needed. Oh, no, it's nothing like that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. They have, I'm sure they have every single thing they could possibly need. I, yeah. think it was, and, and I do think some. it was just a throwaway comment, but still, yeah. like I say, never been mentioned before. Maybe it's just to kind of keep people, well, um, I'm third. Maybe if I had a factory, if I was on a factory team, it might be. But I, don't, I can't see that, can you? I think no. he's doing very, very well on the. And he's got a very, very good. Oh, yeah. This equipment. is equally, this is the best. Guess here's one for you. Uh, he finished second in the first moto. Guess when he last finished second in a moto? I want to say, oh, I would have said in Valkensvard two years ago. 
two years ago. Yeah. Or last year. Uh, no, I can't remember him finishing second in a moto last year. Oh, well, well done, because he didn't. Uh, okay. He, uh, the last time he finished second in a moto was at the GP of Switzerland in 2017. 2017. 589 days passed without him finishing second in a moto. Do you do anything else other than motocross or stats <laughs> or anything? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. You won't find that number anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> well, you will now because people copy. Yeah. You won't find that stat anywhere else even or Lewis. Um, yeah, so let's talk about um, Clement DeSalle. I actually have... Can you vamp for a minute? Because I've got something I need to find about Clement DeSalle. Yeah, sure. Well, one of the things which I found interesting was um, Clement seemed to fly very much under the radar this weekend. He just went about his business. And when I looked at the results the weekend after and I seen that he was fourth overall, I was actually quite surprised. I don't know whether I should be surprised. But maybe because he was charging through the pack in Argentina and he was really making a statement with his, you know, the lap times. And then the weekend, I just, I don't know. It's just like he did just float under the radar. Uh, Clement actually injured his hand in qualifying on Saturday. Oh, okay. And it was swollen and painful on Sunday. And then equally, he didn't get the starts. So it was actually a minor miracle that he got away with fourth overall. Is it, is it something that's going to affect him this week? I don't week? think so. I think it was just beaten up, swollen, bruised, whatever you want to call it. i tell you one of the things which uh, you probably didn't see on TV was the, uh, the roost. When uh, I was in the awnings uh, sort of talking to people after, um, literally when the riders took their body armor off, their arms, it was, it was just like they'd been into a paintball event. I think this comes back to um, the track not being ripped and as soft as in the past. Oh, okay. Because uh, another thing as well, I don't know if you've seen, but all the teams uh, made sure they all had skid plates on and handguards. So there's a lot of people wearing handguards. And it was because the riders which weren't wearing handguards on the Saturday, um, for instance, one of the EMX 250 riders, Tim Edberg, literally showed me his hands and they were literally just cut from stings like, across his fingers from no handguards. Oh, yeah, and I really don't remember that ever being a problem at Matterley in the past. No, but literally the, the roost was just like someone had just thrown him into the middle of a paintball tournament uh, without anything on and literally just shot him, which would be quite fun. But uh, escalated quickly. Yeah. But li- literally the bruising was really intense. But yeah, Paulin injured his hand, painful, not at 100%, but he's resting this week. He's not going for checkups or anything, so it's nothing serious. So Paulin injured, injured his hand. Oh, sorry, not Paulin, DeSalle. Oh, sorry, I'm ill. Not like you to make a mistake. I'm ill. Wow. DeSalle. No, don't rewind that one, Rob. DeSalle. Let's injured, keep that one. Yeah, DeSalle injured his hand in qualifying. Uh, Swollen, painful, nothing bad. I don't think okay. he's going for checkups this week. I think he's just going to recover. Cool. Um, and then let's talk about Chazakonis. Because that was a great ride. I just don't know what to make of it. Moto 2 was a, a very, very good ride. Yeah, he started fourth and pretty much stayed there. I just don't know what to make of it. Do you think it is, though, that down to the starts in this, in this group? Literally, if you get this start, and be, because a lot of these riders do have the pace. So is it, if they get the start position, then they're not going to wander too far from, from where they are. But he didn't seem to go backwards. I guess the best way to put that is I don't think that Jazakonis is starting 10th and charging through to 4th. No. And um, like I say, Matterley stereotypically isn't the easiest place to pass. And a lot of people reference that specifically this past weekend. Well, we've seen Max crash, didn't we? He, he, he struggled to come through like he, he, he would usually do on a track. Yeah, he came through to 14th, I think, from yeah. dead last. Yeah. So make of that what you will, but I just, 
I'm not willing to make any huge judgments on Jazakonis just yet. I just, I don't know. This is great though. Sixth, sixth is like, I don't think anyone can ask for any more than this. No. Yeah, oh. but this, it, I, th- I thought the second race was, yeah, was good. But there we go. Um, so other riders which have popped up, because I know you like to talk into, let's talk about Simpson the weekend. Is that, was he happy? Did you speak to, to Sean? I did. Okay. He wasn't happy that he threw it away in the first moto. Right. He was very disappointed about that. What happened? Because he literally, he was in, was he in eighth and then he dropped to 16th? Yeah, he crashed on the last lap with uh, three corners to go, I think. I think it was a bit of a big one. Okay. I didn't see it or see anything of it. But that dropped him from, he would have had a 9-9. And instead he dropped to 16th, I think, in that first moto. So that obviously makes it not look so great on paper. But had he finished 9-9, which... Close enough. Like, he was going to do it. It's not like... Yeah, I think that was eighth overall. It's safe to assume that he was going to cross the line in ninth had he not crashed. Yeah. That kind of continues this consistent start to his season, which he can do. I've said it every single week. Like, look at his results from the end of last year. He can be better than this. And especially this weekend with the sand. Do you think it was uh, a little bit strange why, you know, some some teams didn't look at him um, more for this year? Do you think that they, they kind of just looked at what he, he had done with Wilvo last year and kind of just said, that's him done now? Partly that, but also look at the other teams. Is there really a rider that you can say he would replace? It's not like there's a team that's just got a much, much lesser rider who you're like, well, that's a ridiculous pick. Simpson should be in that slot. It's just oversaturated at the moment with so many good riders that there's always going to be people like Simpson last year who's on the outside looking in when it comes time to look for deals. And especially this year, there's going to be a few of those. Okay, cool. Um, Paul's Jonas. Similar to uh, Coldenoff and Sewer, actually. Progress is being made. Maybe a bit slower than Vos. But like Argentina, that sprint speed or that speed for five, six laps is where it needs to be. And that's kind of all we need to see at this stage. So it's a case of when he starts to get his intensity out, we're going to start to see him... Not even intensity, just his ability to go a full length. Okay. Like people forget or people don't realise it was actually quite touch and go whether he was even going to race in Argentina. So that gives you an idea of how far behind the eight ball he is now, two rounds in and at the end of March. So I'm sure he'll be back to his best by Mantua. I'm, I'm really interested to see it actually where a fit and race-ready Pools Jonas well, is going to be in that class. Jeremy Sewer was sixth to eighth a lot last year. I think he's better than that. Yeah. And equally, I think Sewer's better than that this year. Yeah. But if you, we kind of have the easiest guidelines in the world by looking at sewer, what sewer did last year. So, yeah, that's uh, a great uh, benchmark. Yeah. So, uh, but I do think he'd be better than that. Um, one rider uh, who had a very good first moto, but um, had a DNF second moto, it was Arnold Tonus. Tonus got taken out bad. Did I hear he lost a foot peg? He lost a foot peg. I've never. I can't believe that no one got a video of this. But apparently Tixier took him out. And fair play, to be fair, Tonus called him out on Instagram or somewhere. And normally, that would never happen. It would just be I got taken out by another rider. Yeah. But fair play to actually saying a name. And... Yeah. But yeah, Tixier took him out so bad that he uh, lost a foot peg. And I, I think I heard as well as Tixier just kind of said it was just racing. Oh, I didn't hear anything from his side. Yeah. But... Uh... The problem is, we're two rounds in, Tonus still hasn't finished a round in the points in both motos, or yeah. hasn't actually finished both motos, let alone in the points. Yeah. 
So, um, but he was looking good up to that point. Oh yeah, and sixth in the first moto is. I don't think you can ask for any more than him, from him than that. No, but it's looking good for tennis because he had a big crash in Argentina and recovered. And then obviously he's got took out in, in, in the UK. And he's still okay? Is he still in one piece? Yeah, he's fine. It's literally just a foot peg thing. Okay, so we're two rounds It's quite in. hard to ride without a foot peg. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking so, that might be a bit yeah. of an issue. But yeah, yeah, I just kind of feel like he needs to finish both motos because I feel like that may be a bit of a monkey oh, on the back. give him a break. He's not even got a foot peg. Yeah, but, okay, Matley wasn't his fault, but Argentina was, and it just is a bit of a pattern. Okay, so um, you'll be happy if he, if he goes into Valkansberg. I'll be happy and... for him. Okay, I won't happy be happy for him. I'll be happy for him, because I feel like that is the next step. Okay. Because I'm sure it's frustrating him. Like, I'm sure he's looking at that takeout and going, it wasn't even my fault. Like, what do I need to do here? So, well, also going into this weekend, you know, on the last week's show, we were talking about that we have the chance of a, of, of a British podium, which didn't happen. No, it did not. So let's talk about those two riders, Max Anstey and Tommy Searle. What, what went wrong this weekend? Wow, what went wrong? Yeah, because, brute. well, it's, it is what it is, isn't it? We expected them to be there thereabouts, especially off of Argentina and the way they've been riding, how they've been feeling. Everything was pointing towards these guys doing well. Well, Tommy had a bike issue in free practice and then switched to a brand new bike for the rest of the weekend. Okay. So that obviously didn't help and he wasn't quite as comfortable as he would have been on the normal bike that he's used however long. So that was the start that didn't help. Then he had a battery problem in a I did see him race. pushing his bike back. Yeah, an aftermarket battery, which he's had problems with before at the La Capelle Preseason International. Okay. That disconnected or whatever you want to call it. So that left him 35th on the line for Sunday, which is dead last. Yep. And from there, he was screwed. Okay. Because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, just break off a line, hook a left, and then like swing did around in Argentina. Side. But actually, Crowley didn't do that. Did he not? No, I he thought he was on the outside. outside. Yeah, he was. What you wait, what? No, Crowley, yeah, Crowley was on the outside and stayed around the outside. I'm yeah. saying it would be easy for Tommy to start on the outside, break, and then swing behind okay. everyone and creep yep. around the inside. It's easy for people to presume that, but that would have been better. Yeah. But as he explained, Matterly doesn't really open the door for that because with it being quite a sweeping turn, people can hug the inside quite a lot. Yeah, and still stay in position. Had it been a tight 180, obviously people would have run a bit wider and there may have been room for that, but yeah, it was not. And that's kind of all she wrote. And that's what he had to do with the weekend. Yep. Now, what can you do at that point? Like, his speed was good, though, and the start in the qualifying race, I think he was top five on the first lap. Yeah. That's becoming a bit of a trend. So if he can do that consistently, then... So we just got to put it down to an off weekend. Well, not few, even an off weekend, just well, circumstances. Well, just a few, bi- few bike issues. Circumstances. Yeah. What can you... Those were the cards he was dealt. He made the best of it. On to Vulcansvard. And come out swinging in Vulcansvard. And what about Max? Uh, crashed on the first lap of the second moto. And again, what can you do? Got caught up with another rider. I think he was top seven at that point so obviously things would have looked a lot better had he um had he not fallen with and, Lieber and he, he he went out with him practicing in a week yes and he was looking really good yeah he was well he looked really good on a Saturday even like the same way that I said in Argentina he looks better than his results show like just by watching him I saw that again on Saturday not so much on Sunday but Saturday he looked unbelievable I thought so I didn't watch him as much on Sunday, so maybe he did look that good, but I feel like there's still more there. And 
once again, sand. Yep. Could be a good weekend for him. But how many, uh, how many riders have we said that about now? That's pretty much everyone. Well, it's funny, actually. <laughs> I was thinking, well, actually, this is another question we've got, so we'll save it for that. Okay. Okay, cool. So is there anybody else you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about uh, Tano Leoc? Not really. Okay. But I thought he'd done really well. He looked really good out there. Yeah, he's just the irremovable object, isn't he? Yep. Like, he'll just be there always. And yeah. And we did know that um, uh, Josh Spinks, he broke his uh, fib. I think we talked about this on the post-race. Yep. There is two uh, riders we need to talk about. Okay. Uh, Dean Ferris. What happened? He's, got he's a, now injured, isn't he? He's it? got a potential knee injury after crashing on the first lap of the second moto. So do we replace the replacement? Well, I f- think he'll be fine. Okay. I don't really see that many red flags flying, but he supposedly is getting checked out this week. So is this where he, he started the weekend good and then it just didn't go right? I don't think he started the weekend good. I thought I'd seen him up there in, at some point. It, I feel like it, well, he'd only had a week on the bike, so what can you expect? But I don't really feel like there were any flashes at any point. But I wonder if he hasn't already got a deal done or close to being done for the outdoors in America. Yeah. Is he shooting himself in the foot a little bit? Could be. Because it's easy when you're not racing to build up all of this hype and I can do this and I can do that. And remember when I did this, the second you line up, you're judged on those results rather than... Yeah, you're only as good as your last race. Yeah, so rather than what you did two years ago when he showed up at High Point on a privateer yam and finished second in a moto. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if he's doing himself more uh, harm than help. Harm than good. Harm than be... good. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Love that. And Volkenswald's not going to go much better. And even by Trentino, he's not going to have that much time on the bike. So we can't make that big gains. So do you think this is a bit of a risky move? I think this is a risky move. And I can't, I just can't see how he's going to have much to shout about by the time he reaches the end of his free race stint. Yeah. But like I say, maybe he's already got something close to being done in America and it doesn't matter. Maybe this is just a warm up. Now, is the other idea going to talk about Brian Bogus? Yes. It, what happened? Nil poir. What's happening? What's going on? Well, we said Matterley wasn't going to... Brian. We said that Matterley wasn't going to be a good place for him. So I'm still kind of not judging him too much. Yeah. Volkenswad should be better. If he's outside the top 15 of Volkenswad, then... Are we pushing the panic button? Then we are doing all kinds of panicking. Okay. Is, is, what, is there any news from HRC, Honda? I have, what are they saying? I have had a bit of a look at what's been said, and I don't think that was really too much, to be honest. I don't think there's much of an explanation. I know he crashed, but not like if that barely made a difference. Yeah. And, and like, it's not like he was running eighth and then limped round to finish wherever. I just... It's a contract year. He's got to do something, because there's a lot of talent coming in, and a lot of talent on the fence at the moment. So, Well, I think if you just look down the... What's interesting is you've got Petrov picking up um, one point. You've got Boutron picking up two points. You've got Bogus picking up no points. You've got Bernardini, no points. Um, and you've got, you know, what, what, what are these guys going to do next year? I mean, it's a long season to go, I know, but at the same point, there's, it's just, like we what, keep saying, there's these 14 riders coming up into MXGP. What I find interesting is how many people really knew that Bernardini was out there. I only knew because of his numbers, three, two, one. Like, it's very interesting how someone can make such an impact in MX2 and then be virtually invisible in MXGP. Yeah. 
And again, you're looking at if you're going to use Bernardini as an example, Matali should be where he shines. How the hell is Volkenswald going to go? Yeah. So the panic button's definitely pushed for Bernardini. Well, but then no, because who's he going to beat? He's not going to beat Lupino. He's not going to beat Monticelli. He's not going to beat Lieber. He's not going to beat Tixier. So this is just where he slots in. Okay. But on that note, I would like to give a bit of credit to Anton Gull. Ah, yeah. Because Anton Gull was right on the back of that group and I didn't see it coming at all. Like, literally, if you'd pushed me, put a gun to my head, I wouldn't have predicted that. Yeah. He actually was there or thereabouts. I think for part of the race I was watching and he was with Ferris for quite a lot of it and I think he passed Ferris. Just for him to... He was kind of a... Uh, I guess you'd call him the best of the rest. Yeah. Because if you look in front of him, you've well, got... What do we know about him? He's 21. Um, he was in MX2 last year. He was really impressive in MX2 the year before last. Okay. So maybe if you look at it like that, this isn't as much of a surprise. Yeah. I think but, he was injured last year. Though, yeah, he was he? a lot. And um, he's only 21 years old, so he's, still, he's not aged out of MX2. He's just gone up because um, he's bigger. He, he, uh, I done an interview with him the weekend, um, as I do, with just random riders. And he did say to me that he just found it a real struggle on a 250 because he is bigger and he's, he's got a bit more weight, weight on him muscle. And he just said he feels that the 450 is more suited to him. So, um, but that was his debut race on, on a 450. I think he's in one of those situations where just getting points is good. I think that's all the team are, are expecting from him. So and to get seven in one weekend. Is expectation. To give seven in one weekend, that's, I think that's ideal. Yeah. And he is effectively the third rider on that team. That's because you've point. got Stryboss and, and Brylyakov, who Brylyakov was visa issue and Stryboss is out injured. So he was actually heading that team up that weekend. So um, yeah, good, good shout on that one. Fair play to, um, to Anton Gold. And if you're going to shout out Anton Gold, then you've got to say Harry Kulis, who picked up six points um, for 20th overall as well. Yeah. Another good show for Cab Screens. And just goes to show what a great signing that is for them this year. Yeah. All good things over there. Yeah. I mean, positive start to the season. It's, yeah, we've said it many times, but it's just good to see a small team like that kind of do big things. Yeah, I love it. It's always... It's like the little man that could kind of thing. Yeah, uh, when you think about what Cab are doing and they're trying a, a new team and um, against the kind of uh, the British teams, which have got, you know, quite a bit more resources and, and everything else, um, they're doing very, very well. So um, on that note, I think we're pretty much done with MXGP. Yeah. I like that. Are you signing? For, I just did a hand, hand signal for a cup of tea. I just did a half time symbol because I'm literally close to passing out. Yeah, I'm going to go and take some horse suvers because I can feel the voice. Going. I'm going to go and lay in the fresh air and try and regain consciousness. Okay, let's do it. This is that's the end of it. Ill half. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about MX2 next, and uh, we'll get uh, comrade music. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. The MX5 Show. MX2 Lewis. Hello. I'm still alive. Still alive. As are you. Yeah, my throat's come back a little bit. This is like, um, uh, what's, what's the old program? Oh, Gladiators. Battle of the Fittest or something, I don't know. Oh, why do you go? Why do you lead yourself down these? My, my mind isn't working. Yeah. I, I've got the same problem as well. We um, are definitely, we need an award for Man Flu Podcast Show of the Year. Well, I also drove three hours. Oh, okay, You drove okay. two minutes. Okay. Right, MX2. No one wants to know about how ill you are. No one cares. You asked. No, I didn't. I said MX2, Lewis, and then you said... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I thought that was an invitation for me to say no, that. No, no, it wasn't. It was an invitation for you to get your uh, your knowledge over to the people listening. Okay, MX2. Thomas Kier Olsen. Now, fun facts. Who, yeah, I, I've got a couple of fun facts because how many times have you threw Thomas under the bus? Okay, first off, fun fact. Thomas Kier Olsen, the K-J-E-R in his name. Who knows how you say that? Kier? Kier. Kier. Well, I think it is Kier. But uh, I spoke to him once and asked him. And he said that you don't actually have to call him Thomas Kier Olsen. His name's just Thomas Olsen. Wow. Mind blown. There we go. Mind absolutely blown. Do you know what my middle name is? Norman. It is Norman, yeah. Um, I'm, I would prefer if people didn't call me James Norman Burfield. That may catch on. Yeah, what's your middle name? Mark. So, Lewis Mark Phillips. Yeah. Sounds quite royal. I am royal. Uh, I thought so, that's because you're a posh bastard. Anyway. Right. So. Olsen. I've been beating the same drum for a long, long time Yeah, now. Olsen's... Blah, 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 never going to do it. Blah, blah, I've blah. been waiting for more from Olsen. Leading the championship, waiting 94 points. And I, I don't know what it is. I've never been able to put my finger on it. 16 points in the something lead. something doesn't do it for me. still not good enough. Something doesn't, hasn't done it for me. However, right. I can appreciate and acknowledge Finally. the fact that he killed it in Matterley and was the fastest rider in the class and dominated both motos. So you're going to give him that? I'm going to give him that. I still feel like something's missing, and I'm not sure what. There was, there was nothing missing. It It was the complete ride the weekend. This is exactly it, though. I don't know what it is. It is the complete ride. So why do I feel like... Yeah, you, you, because you're the only person who feels that. Everybody else who was watching, <laughs> was the, he, he, he was just in control the whole weekend. He was in control the whole weekend. Yeah, it was a perfect performance, and you've just got to put your hand up and say... Yeah, it was a perfect, perfect performance. Perfect. Okay. I won't analyze any further. Don't need, we don't need you to. We just need you to acknowledge that he's done a great job. I just, I've always felt like something's missing. And I don't know what it is. It actually bothers me that I can't think of what it is because I just watch him and I'm like, what? I just want something, but what do I want? I think he, we, we've seen aggression this year. He was a bit aggressive with Jacoby in a qualifying race. Exactly. We've seen aggression. That's what we wanted. Yeah. So we, we've got that from him. We've got him not only sort of, you know, Walking through timed practice, um, free practice, okay. and everything else. Okay. 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 Devil's advocate. Yeah. Olsen was amazing. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Jacoby was just as fast, if not faster than him, in the first race. In Argentina, Jacoby wasn't as quick as him. No. Therefore, are we impressed? Oh, I'm not. Let's not take away anything from Olsen. Olsen was super impressive. But Jacoby was just as impressive in his second I place. I could argue that the gap between Olsen and the rest of the field was closer in Matali than it was in Argentina. I could argue that. Yeah. You could, you could argue that, I think but maybe it still that's doesn't what, mean anything. I think that's maybe what I'm thinking. Maybe that's what I feel like was missing. No, I think... The he, second moto, he was dominant. And he I had think, a great gap. But the first moto... But then also, I've never... I feel like I need to take myself away and really think about this. <laughs> yeah, I think you should take yourself away. But... Um, I guess, yeah. Good on him. Yeah. And do you see... But I, I stand by that. I stand by that. Okay? Well, there's still... Stand, so... so uh, I stand so by Thomas, the fact... Even though you went out and dominated and done everything what you're asked to do, um, Lewis still does think there's something else there. We're not quite sure what he thinks. <laughs> um, I don't know. I but, just, um For the rest of us uh, in the nation, um, like, uh, around the world, uh, we're very happy with your performance. I just... Should he be being run down by Jacoby? 
Well, Jacoby is is on it. He's he's had a really. We already talked about this. He's had, he's had a really strong preseason. Yeah, he has. They've been they've been out practicing and testing since November. They're they're they're, they're the the team and Jacoby are have had all the pressure pre- preparation. They're equipped. Penguin. Um, they're equipped. I bet you don't even know what penguins are. Do you? Did you ever know chocolate bar penguin? Yes. With a little joke under the flap. Is there a joke under the flap? Yeah, on the back of the penguin, or fun fact, or something. I don't know. Just penguin advert. What? Anyway, are you not talking about the chocolate bar? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, just leave the chocolate bar. Um. Yeah, Jacoby. He, 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 are we expecting he's aged out after, after this oh, year he's in his last year he's, he was really improved last year although you were saying that he's not getting the results but he showed the speed last year so this year underneath F&H with Mark DeRuver and then having to train consistently with um, Rowan Van Moosdijk in MX2 and um, Sterry you know he's did you just say Rowan Van Moosdijk in MX2? Yeah, because I, I was waiting for you to catch up, but obviously yeah, was, your man flu has just kicked in. <laughs> I was, and I you're just to, not I even to, on the same wavelength as me. I had to process that. Yeah. Gee, this is going to be a long time. Okay, let me, let me think about this. Let me put this into perspective. Should we just stop now and just get now, straight on to Comrade? Nope. I'm going to move. I'm going I'm to lay it all out there, my thoughts. Okay. On one hand, I didn't even pick Olsen to win on Sunday. Brace yourself. So therefore, that was strong. That exceeded my expectations. You didn't expect Olsen to win? I picked someone else. Oh, Ben Watson. Yeah, on a Saturday show. Right. So, in that hand, he exceeded my expectations. Yet, on the other hand, I feel like he would have been more dominant, which basically makes no sense at all. And basically means I really need to sort out how I feel. Yeah. So, we're going to conclude... Is this emotionally? (laughs) We're going to conclude the Thomas Keir Olsen, or Thomas Olsen, section of this podcast now. And I'm going to come back next week with some firm evidence on how I feel and what I expect. But got a nice little 44-point gap over. I wonder what you was going to say then. 44-point gap over Prado in the championship. Yep. And more importantly, 16 over second. Yep. And he's good in the sand. Yep. If he wins this weekend, I will arguably be more impressed than I was at Matterley, even though sand is his strong point. Okay. Shows how much you know about motocross. Um, Jacoby. Oh, Jacoby. I am on the train. Oh dear, that's bad news for Jacoby. Not even as a not even like as a believer, just as a, a watching fan. him ride is in like the it's best fun. thing. He's put a him, fun rider to watch. Put him into a battle for a top three position, and he will kill someone to get it. Yeah, I like that desire. Literally, he like I can't even put it into words how much he just tries to kill people to get to the front <laughs> of the pack. I think that's a little bit excessive. Who was it? He passed in the first moto. He passed someone for third. It might have been Walsh. He literally just pinned it into the same rut as him in a corner, stopped dead, paddled his way out, and took third. And I just was like, that is what I expect. That is what I feel like his approach to racing is. But it's good. He's a racer. Because we need that personality in MX2, because I don't really know if we've got it. And um... we don't, that's actually a good point. MX2 is this crazy class, always has been the young guns. We don't really have. The crazy, aggressive guy. So first you're basically saying there's something missing from a performance from 1-1 for Olsen. Now you're throwing the rest of the class under the bus. <laughs> no, I'm not because at Because they've got That's no not... personality. No, uh, who said personality? Well, I was just saying that. I said there's not the just aggressive guy. Like, everyone's quite calculated. Like, I feel like we used to have more of people like Jacoby, who was a bit rugged and um, reckless a little bit. Like, 
Yeah, everyone in MXG has become quite calculated with everything, almost which will serve them well in MXG. Well, I, I guess you, it's just interesting to put another rider yeah, style in there. Pre- previous years, you've you've had Hurlins in there and Fernandez who weren't scared about putting. Did you it just in say there. Fernandez? Oh God! You just called Dylan. That was Dylan Fernandez. He meant yeah, Fernandez. Fuck's sake! Who the fuck? Who is had that? the idea of doing a show this week? Come on! Next. Should we just play some music? Yeah, play um, some music, Rob. I think Jacoby wins a race. Okay, previously, starting the season, I said six riders win GPs this year. Yeah. Prado, Olsen, Beaton, Watson, Sanai, Flandering. Yep. I started that by thinking that I'm going to put Jacoby in that group. Did you say Viao would win one this year? No. Are you sure? I said he could win. didn't say he's going to. I'm, okay. I'm locking these people in. I'm now going to lock Jacoby in. And Jacoby's definitely going to get a win this year. Vial wins. No, he doesn't because Prado's going to be back. Vial wins. No, he doesn't because Prado's going to be back. Vial wins a moto. <laughs> this is a bit like what you like when you're looking at a menu. Just for, you know, just so you know. I put so much thought. This is basically what goes on into my, this little inter, basically this podcast, this MX2 section has been me talking to myself about how I feel. This is basically what goes on in my head while I'm thinking about races. Yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. Now. I'd like to toot my own horn for oh, a second. Yeah. Last week on a podcast, I said there was a chance Vial could win Matterley because he'd get the whole shot and hang on and why not? And he didn't. He didn't. I think I'm still right. Ha- <laughs> How does that... Am I not... No? No. No, no, no. I feel like that, he did enough to prove me right. No. Those 16 seconds that he was down. No. I basically went up to Dirk Grubel after the race and like bowed down in front of him to say like... Well done, you've done it again. No, I've, I've got to be honest, I didn't see the podium coming. Okay, put it, let's put it into perspective. Viao has had a podium this year before Watson, Blandering, Beaton, okay, he's injured, Sterry. How many riders would you put ahead of him? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah. And it's hard, I can't even point to a fault in his program. Maybe more raw speed. Yeah. I, That's about it. I, I don't but know. That in- it feels like I'm going to come. It feels like I'm the only person who's who's kind of surprised with this because everybody else has seen this happening. I've got the audio that proves it. Yeah. So um, yeah, hands up. Like I say, like I said after Argentina, get whole shots. That's going to happen. Yeah. And it, is it that a case of that within this 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 class at the moment? If you get that start, there's a really good chance that you're going to be finishing top top three to top five. No. Muse move forward. Watson move forward. Sterry had no choice but to move forward. Uh, and others. Blandering move forward. So I don't think it's like that, but I think Vial's good enough to hold his ground. Okay. And actually, I'd be really interested to see what he does with a 10th place start because we haven't really seen it yet. Yeah, we've not seen him come, having to come through. That's an interesting... Um, well, yeah, you just carry on and die in the corner. Sorry. It's okay. Um, so one person who... Uh, Kind of, I don't know. We, I, I did expect him to come out swinging, and he did in the second. In the second moto was Calvin Flanderen. Did you manage to speak to Calvin the weekend? I didn't. Okay. I tried to speak to Calvin every week. Yeah. Didn't this week. Okay. Did he not want to speak to you? I didn't. Couldn't find him. Okay. So, um, what do we know about Calvin? Calvin is from South Africa. Lives in Holland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in that mood, are you? Okay, well done. Um. What do you mean? What do we know about Calvin? He dropped the bike, didn't he, in, in race one? Yeah, he did. So um, it, was, it wasn't a big one, though, was it? it was no, just, just a small a, one. One of those things, and he yeah. went forward again after it. But 
I would have said he would have had a podium by now. And actually, he was one of my picks for the winner at Matterley. He did take a second in the race, too. Yeah, I think it's coming. There's no, I don't think there's any um, reason to worry or question no. anything. He'll, he could win this weekend easily. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. And he'll be on the podium this weekend for sure. Yeah. But then also, I'd say the same about quite a few guys. So maybe not for sure, but he's more than good enough. No, I agree. I think it's, I think it's coming. I think it, there's going to be one week where he is going to, he's possibly going to go 1 1. Oh, yeah. He'll win this year. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad we've wrapped that one up. Yeah. That's basically there's that's not much. That's an easy one then. Basically, quite Sorry about that, Calvin. We'd like to talk more, but uh, you've done your, you're doing yourself proud. Quiet start to the season for Calvin. And like Argentina, just solid. It's not bad. It's no. not mind blowingly good. It's just solid. Yeah. Solid, solid. So if um yeah if you if you if you're going for a championship these are the things you just need to pick up points. Yeah, he's had a Prado after two rounds. Yeah, that's got to be the goal. Yeah. If I'd gone up to if I had gone if I'd searched went down to Red Sand in January and said to Olsen, Jacoby, Vlanderin, Vial, and Watson after two rounds you're going to be ahead of Prado in the championship they would have all taken it. Oh yeah, easy. So, do you know who my surprise was this weekend? Guess not Vial. Nope. Pooches. Clearly, yep. not that much of a surprise if I managed to guess it. All right. Um, I thought he'd done really, really well. He did because quietly, yeah, quietly under the it radar. It was easy again. to look past him, and yeah. I don't think he had the endurance to stay at the front for that long. But he did so. He did it good enough. Seven seven. Yeah, the speed was there. We haven't seen him healthy in a long time, so I'm just wondering if this is what he does when he's healthy. Yeah, and uh, and again, we know he's going to do well next next week. Again, yeah, and again, we know he has a lot of time left in this class, so. Yeah, all good things yeah he just needs to finish the season that's it stay healthy I don't even care about results just get there every week finish each moto and build something are you listening Davey we're trying to help just that's all we need from this year yeah is that what you'd be saying as his manager yep I'm sure he knows it I'm sure his goal is just to primarily to finish the season yeah if he can keep doing results like that and finish the season then yeah and that's, that is what you want that's not a track which you, you would um, imagine him doing very well on. Not necessarily. That's not his type of track, is it? No, not that he's terrible on hard pack, but no. you'd think he would be stronger in Vulcan Sword. Yeah. So. yeah. so we'll take that this weekend. Yeah, it was just easy to look past him, I think. And I think there were, from what I heard or overheard from fans, there were a lot of people questioning who the hell number 46 on a Husqvarna was. <laughs> We've not seen you for a while. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about one, one person who we did expect to do really well this weekend, and that's Ben Watson. Oh. Who, a big favourite of yours. Did you see his sector time at the end of race one? No. He set the fastest sector time in sector four right at the end of race one. Positive. <laughs> okay. So These are the type of stats I bring to the table. So, I mean, let's face it, he didn't do, th- he didn't do that bad. It's fifth overall. And, and he picked I, up. I put him in the same category as Flandering. Like, it's fine. There's no stress. There's no... Okay, it hasn't been absolutely amazing. It hasn't been bad, not by a long shot. It's fine. Yeah. Completely fine. Like, as a start to the season goes, what, like, I feel like they've made more expectations on him because it was a British GP. Yeah. But as far as the start to the season goes, I don't think there's any stress there at all. He got stuck behind Servalin for a little bit too long in the first moto, but he was clearly faster and um, got all the way back to fourth after crashing. So had he not crashed, he probably would have finished in the top three we would be talking a different story. Exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I genuinely don't think there's even much to say other no. than it's fine. And he looked fast all day. And he's another one who could potentially win slash podium this weekend. Yeah. Because we know how good he is in the sand. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, this is what I love about this this class. It is so stacked from literally, you know, now that Prado is, you know, has been missing for for a round, it's really opened everything up. I think it's tough for guys like Watson and Vlandering because they are expected to beat Vial, Jacoby, Steri, Pooches, these people. But obviously those riders have stepped up. So until fans and pundits and all of that realign their expectation, it's going to be seen as a bit like a surprise if they get beaten by those people. Yeah. I mean, so, many questions. Yeah, I think it's the same. And in, in you kind of look at like uh, Gertz this weekend with there was flashes of, um, of his pace. And um, we didn't see the final product, did we, from him? No, same as Argentina. He just... Whereas Vlandrin and Watson have made mistakes but managed to get solid results out of it, he hasn't. So that's not as good. But then also, I don't... Again, it's not like he's been ending with these results because he's just been terrible. He's made mistakes and the speed's actually been quite good. Again, another one. Volkenswald, why not podium? Yeah. I feel like we've got a lot of sand specialists nowadays. We have got a lot of sand specialists, but I think the other thing what we've got is we've got possibly 15 riders what can, can hit the top five. Especially with Prado out. Yeah. I mean, it's just opened it right up. So on, on, on that note, what do we know about Prado? Is he back this week? Is he not back this uh, week? Well, What's we're the injury? We're recording this on Wednesday and supposedly he's got a checkup today. Although he did put an Instagram post out this morning saying he was getting energy for the weekend from a can of Red Bull. Okay. So does that mean he's racing? Who knows? But supposedly he got a hematoma. What? What? Shopping. <laughs> supposedly he's got a hematoma under his shoulder blade. He crashed in a week after Argentina and didn't think anything of it. Just kind of shrugged it off and kept riding, training, doing gym, all of that. And then it started to be a bit painful. And apparently woke up one morning and literally just couldn't move and was like, okay, something's wrong. Which that, sounds a bit more serious for the hematoma, but, um, yeah. but uh, I say it, supposedly because that's what I heard. But um, Again, we hear a lot of things in the pits yeah. and we've heard that it could be something else or it, it's a lot worse than it is. But I guess the, the question is going to be answered when he returns this weekend. I think he'll be back this weekend. I'll be interested. If he wins immediately, then that's not going to be good for the competition. No, and it also puts to bed the rumours that it's something a yeah. little bit more But if he isn't serious. back this weekend, I'd fully expect him to be back in Trentino. Yeah. If he misses... Volkenswart and Trentino, I'd be shocked. Okay. But I think if I had to put money on it, I'd bet that he's back this weekend. And I'd bet it is nothing more than just a hematoma on his shoulder that makes for joint and everything. And it's just the internet rumours. Yeah, a bit sore. That is more, yeah. But I did get told a wide-ranging version of events this weekend. Yeah. Um, The next group, what we got, you know, because I know know you love your groups, we keep saying. Um, Chervelin, Walsh, Beaton. Talk us through. Servalin, Chervelin. Chervelin, Servalin. Chervelin, Servalin. Uh, that's kind of what you'd expect from him. Argentina was absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. But uh, seventh overall is kind of where he slots in. He should technically be on the podium at some point this year. But then everyone should. Dylan Walsh, I'm starting to believe. Yeah, he lo- he's been looking really good the last couple that's of the weeks. Eight, it's amazing that he can start up front like that. As with Tom Vial, that's a quality that's going to serve him well. Yep. Naturally, it was going to take him a bit of time to adjust to that pace. And it's not like he was going to start up front and stay there immediately. So I kind of expect him to start up front again in the future and stay there. I mean, I chatted to him a little bit in pit lane and he said he's feeling good. The bike's good. He said it's just, you know, it's all coming together. 
So I think he's going to be one to watch this year. I think he. I, I've all think back to last year when he was on Diga uh, in a qualifying race at Tushintar. We finished at eighth, and that was just straight out of the MX250 on a bike with a suspension setup that supposedly wasn't very good for him. So that kind of the writing was on the wall at that point. Yeah, and I don't think anyone would be surprised if he's in the top five. Yeah. And yeah, this is. I'm just. It was good to see him rebound because he was so disappointed after Argentina. Yeah. So I feel like he needed that more than we needed to see it. One of um, I know I've been talking about surprises, and uh, there was one rider actually which really stood out the weekend, and that was a seven six six of Michael Sander, who's an Austrian, and uh, he put in two really good rides. I mean, the first one was um, was fantastic. I think he got a twelve or something, but he was. Uh, he was looking really, really good out there. He's one of those riders where he kind of went past and you're like, who's that? Because you're not used to seeing, seeing them at that far upfield. And uh, I, got my, I talked to him basically on the um, Sunday night and we just had a little you know, quick chat after racing. And yeah, this is just like a privateer effort. It's just him, his dad, a camper, and uh, believe it or not, a race bike. That's it. That was his, that's literally what they had. And he goes out there and basically gets 12th. In the world. I think a lot of people would be surprised, as I was, to learn he's pitting out of a camper because it seems like even the smallest setups nowadays, you don't have people doing that in MX2, especially not at a sharp end. Yeah, I kind of said to him, like, where's the team? He's like, this is the team. This is it. But this shouldn't be a surprise because he finished ninth in a moto last year. Did he? Um, Bulgaria. Wow. So... Yeah, I'd like to know um, a little bit. I think it's, it's one of those cool things where if we go to Valkensfire this weekend, See if we can seek him out and find a little bit more information about He's him. He's definitely a story and one that people are going to start to take more notice of if he continues to do this. Yeah. If he does, who knows? But like I say, he was good last year, so why not continue? Yeah, no, it's, it's, he's definitely sort of came up on my radar this weekend. He just looked smooth, looked good, looked fast, in control. And um, he didn't look out of place. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good to see, um, you know, riders just pop up out of, out of nowhere now and again and uh, make some surprises. Speaking of popping up out of nowhere, Jed Beaton returned. Yes. After just two days on a bike in a move that shocked everyone and immediately went 10th overall, which I think is... It's a solid ride. Like, if you're looking at this as a solid, as a place to establish a base, then you can't ask for much more than 10th overall. Like, he did literally just have two days on a bike and you've got to think one of those days was just rolling around seeing if he felt okay. Yeah. And he hasn't raced. It's easy to, okay, people are like, oh, yeah, he was only out for three weeks with an injury. How much can you lose? He hasn't raced a GP since Matterley last year. Like it, take, it typically takes riders a long time to get back into the swing of things after missing that much time. Yeah, he, you know, in a few more races, he's going to be one of those guys who's going to be really given the oh, top yeah. three. I said, he, I said he'll win a GP this year, and I stand by it. Yeah, and, and he was looking so good last year. Future world champion. Yeah, still young. Still young. Three-year deal with Husky, I think, so. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we could we could talk about uh, a few different rides the weekend, but um, uh, what about your man, Mikhail Harrop? Can oh, you, we crashed. Wanna, do you want to talk us through it? Because you were so adamant that he's going to be podiuming soon. And we crashed. Do you think you've put too much pressure on him? We crashed, but uh, it wasn't our fault. Okay, what happened? Someone took him out. Okay. And then he was later seen in a sling and is out of Vulcan Squad. Oh, that escalated quickly. That's yeah. So it's not going. He's he's having a rough start to his MX2 career. This is what 
I, I thought that MX2 would fix the crashes, but then again, he got taken out, so I'm not going to like scorn him too much for it. But yeah, I expected a lot more, but also I did expect rounds like this. I just didn't expect all of the difficulties to come this soon and this fast. Like we're kind of getting a mix of everything within the first two rounds. But and do you know what? There's one guy in the in the paddock I want to give a hug to. Who? Darian. Oh, oh, that speed. That speed in the qualifying race. That, must that be... speed. Did I you know. see the speed? Yeah, but he must be. Can you imagine how frustrated he must be knowing he could, he could do what he can do, but yet this is holding him What back. he can do is win. Yeah. That speed. But it's, this, this Epstein bar is just vicious. That speed. <laughs> Seriously, the first two laps of the qualifying race, like, I was like watching him and just like, that is what I thought we'd see. Yeah, I actually thought from, from that point when he was, I thought, wow, he's really recovered quickly since Argentina. And then obviously we seen as it sort of went on. But um, yeah, it's a real shame because I think he's definitely one of the riders that would, would, would have made this a lot more interesting. Not that it's not interesting, but it, he would have made the, the Prado battle um, very interesting. He'll win eventually. That speed, like literally, those two laps alone were enough for me to just kind of buy the farm. Yeah, but the the problem is, I, if that's uh, a saying. I, is that I, a saying? I don't know. I, I think you should do some research on these things before you. Is that just a saying? saying? Bought the farm. I bought. I'm going to buy the farm. I don't, I don't know. The Sinai I, farm. I don't know if that's American or UK or just made up. Let um, it be known that I'm going to buy the Sinai farm. Whatever that is. I hope that I haven't actually got a farm because yeah. I might be If he's listening my... to this, he's probably just thinking restraining or I might I might be entering myself into some kind of contract to buy the Sinai farm and I don't have that kind of money. So Okay. But oh. but honestly, that speed in the first two laps was bloody phenomenal. Yeah, he's looking good. I mean Steve Dixon must be just you know, a little bit kind of down, you know, thinking what what could have been this year. He had a two second gap within a lap or two. But he was gone. Yeah. And even on Sunday I was impressed with how despite the Epstein bar issues, he kind of held it together on the cusp of the top 10. Yeah. Because I, did, I expected him to drop further back, but he kind of held his ground quite well. And he did absolutely nothing after Argentina. And it sounds like he's going to do absolutely nothing again this week and Volkenswald's coming up. So is that just the case then, that he's just got a rest? Well, I asked him if he'd have to miss some GPs and he didn't rule it out. So I think there's going to be some discussions and whatnot. With wow. Joel Rowlands, his trainer, his new trainer this year, and people. So, okay, so we might we might see him maybe taking a miss of a couple just to try and get this. Maybe, okay. Balkanswald's not exactly going to be the easiest place to get around if you're not 100. percent So, but still, even it sounds like there's a lot of negatives and everything, but that speed, that's, <laughs> it's enough for me to be positive and like know what's coming. Do you know I felt sorry for the weekend? Mitchell Evans. Did you see in race one how he's basically a lap down, came out in front of Olsen and not only kept that gap, but was actually faster in some parts? Yeah, and he was a lap down because he crashed on that one and uh, had to come into pit lane to fix his clutch cable because the clutch was slipping. Yeah, I think it was slipping or stuck, wasn't it? Either one. Yeah. But so, yeah, so that was, wow. why it was a lap down. So what was interesting, the, what was interesting from the... Um, uh, from that race is that the fact that they were putting blue flags out the first time he came round. Then where his speed had increased, they actually didn't bother putting the blue flags out because he was actually pulling away. Well, yeah, you talk about question marks and like, where do you go with that? Like, bloody hell. But not only did he retain that speed, but he didn't even score a point. <laughs> Can you believe that? 
Like, can he win? Has he just proven that he can win? I don't know. He every week, and it's only been two weeks in, but I get more and more excited about the, his his prospect. Here's a question: class. We're all raving about Tom Vial. What a guy! Second GP ever. He's on the podium. Yeah, Mitchell Evans was on the podium. It's first ever GP. Yeah, and he is pretty unlucky this weekend. Should we not be looking at those two as if they're equals, and therefore be just everyone should be just as excited about Mitchell Evans? I think they should. Or do we not because Mitchell Evans is older and has more experience and whatever? But how much older is he? Uh, 20, I think. And Tom Vial's 17. 17, okay. I thought Vial was older than that. So how do we judge this? I don't know. I think Vial is... If, if Vial is 17 years old and he's podiumed at 17 years old, then um, I think we, 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 we better get excited. There's one thing I still desperately yeah. want to know. Can I, can I just ask you? What the hell are you doing with your chair? Everything, it's not the chair, it's the table. Everything is creaking over here. I don't know why. <laughs> well, are you doing something you shouldn't be doing? No. Um, there is one question I want answered. Okay. The Honda 114 Motorsports bikes yeah. have no 114 logos on them. Don't they? And I keep meaning to ask this question, but then by the time I get to a race, it's kind of fallen down my priority list. Well, I thought it had 114 logos in Argentina. No. And it confuses me. I mean, it's not like the answer's going to reveal any sure huge conspiracy got, what, theory, but... What, are they just running standard Honda graphics? No, like a few logos, but not the, one, not the actual team's logo. Okay, let's investigate it, South Olivia. I'm sure that the answer isn't going to be mind-blowing or anything, but just saying I saw it and made me go, huh. Well, if it's keeping you up awake... Like, it really is. It bothered me in Argentina, need, and then I saw this. it after, and I was like, I need to figure this out. Okay. Um, Buarami. Showed a little something, something. We've seen a little something. Do we get excited? I have a theory. Okay. Morgan Lesiardo. Remember him? Yep, I remember. He won the EMX 250 title. Yep, I remember. He was a little bit older. Okay. Matthias Bossarami. Bwamarami. 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 Yeah. Also won the EMX 250 title. Also a little bit older. Yep. Are we seeing that guys like Mikkel Harrop, Tom Vial, are so young but their progress on a year-to-year basis can surpass these riders who beat them in, who beat them in EMX 250 because at that point they were so far ahead, but they're staying stagnant, whereas these younger guys who weren't winning titles because they were showing amazing speed and crashing out or whatever are progressing so fast that they're quickly overtaken. Yeah, because if you look at the field, and I talk, okay, you, you don't know anything that's going on. Tom Vial got his ass kicked by Bosirami. Bwarami. last year. You wouldn't believe me. Yeah. You would tell me I'm absolutely insane. Yeah. And then the query is this year. Exactly. No, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know... That, and, and that is where the age rule in EMX 250 is going to make things really interesting. Well, you know, we... I mean, I was, I was a little bit surprised. Um, not, not the age rule coming into EMX, uh, EMX 250. I was just surprised about um, the, the lack of notice, especially when riders were signed. But I've got to be honest, I put my hands up and say that they've got it absolutely bang on because it is, na- it is now going to help bring through this next generation of kids, which we've already seen. Yeah, uh, everyone was kicking off about it, but I never had any questions. Yeah. I, it completely makes sense. And, and in, in, in effect, the EMX 250 from the, not EMX 250, the two-stroke from the weekend is actually working in, in the fact that, okay, these guys which are aged out, they can go into the, to the two-stroke um, championship now. And uh, that's great. Everyone's yeah, they have happy. a landing spot if they can't do much else. Yeah. But realistically, if you're going to make it 
Make it what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, you I get started. To... I started. I just went there without thinking about what I was saying. Yeah. No, what I was going to say is, if you're going to make it somewhere in the sport, you're going to get picked up out of EMX 250. Yeah, of course, but I think it's not like there's a future world champion who's not going to get a deal out of EMX 250, and Ben's going to have to go and race two strokes. If you're good enough, you'll get a deal. It's going to work. Yeah, but look at this from a. I kind of look at it from this point of view, right? You're at a level. Okay, you're not good enough for say. We've seen the MX2 class is just insane. We've seen that EMX250 is now under 23, same as MX2. So your, your, your choices are limited. MXGP, insane. Okay, so, um, so the next class you have is the two-stroke. So you've got to think of where like people who we've seen, like James Dunn, great rider. That's a, that's a great championship for him still to be competitive. And um, we know that his ability on a two-stroke anyway. But this is a great class for, for people to still ride it at a competitive level and, um, you know, and, and hopefully show enough to um, you know, warrant being picked up. It's basically a runoff lane. It's, it's, it, it is what it is. Let's face it. it, it is the what structure it is, now but... works perfectly because there's, there's a place for everyone and everyone has their place. Yeah. So yeah. what more do you want? Like, it's not broken, it's fixed. And in the future, what we'll see is we'll see the, the two-stroke um, championship will be the, the four-stroke championship, and then MXGP and MX2 will be electric bikes. Okay. It's almost ludicrous to think that this time last year, the riders we had in the MX250 who were like 30 or whatever. Like, almost seems like that didn't happen because it just seems insane. Yeah. Maybe they need to do it over 25 class. Do you know who we didn't talk about? Uh, well, I'm sure we didn't talk about quite a lot. Usland. Comrade Muse. Yeah, well, there's a good reason why we haven't talked about Comrade Muse because he is about to come into the studio now. So we don't talk about him? We do not talk about him because we need to We're going to let him talk about him. We're going to let him talk about him. Okay. We can ask questions. Okay. Thanks but, for letting me know that. Yeah. For, and just in case people didn't realize, yeah, we've, we've got um, Comrade on the show. Actually, he's in the building now. Oh. So on that note, should we... Uh, you happy to leave this there with MX2? Yeah, I might have some more things to say after Comrade's done his little interview. Okay, well, let's bring Comrade in uh, next time. Okay. See you in a minute. Okay. BMX For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com, at Motocross Vice on Twitter, and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. BMX Vice Show. So, hope you enjoyed the first part of the show. Uh, we've got a special guest uh, this week, uh, fresh from the British GP, uh, Comrade Muse. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, how are you enjoying the setup here? Yeah, it's good. It's um, it's nice to come round and uh, <clears throat> obviously have a look at the uh, it's what's going on here and where it all comes from. Um, it's not far from me, so it's um, it's nice and local. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting things started. Well, actually, that was uh. Part of the, uh, I did I want to tell you, but uh, we only had a £3.50 budget for travel this week for expenses. <laughs> so I was looking around for the person who was the, uh, the closest. So you came up. So uh, there we go, buddy. I <laughs> apologize for that. But, uh, <laughs> for that. Yeah. I just got to try and keep the cost down. That's all. <laughs> Lewis has been spending a lot of money lately. A lot. A lot. I'm expensive to keep me happy. Yeah. Ever since Race Rex come in, it's just been like, it's, he's like a rock star. I am a rock star, not like yeah. a rock star. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed, Conrad, but the way he walks around the pits now, 
Oh, so, don't start that because people people actually believe you when you start spreading that. He's, yeah. got, he's got the arms like the Conor McGregor swag. Yeah, oh, he's <laughs> loving it like that. <laughs> the thing is, though, and you, he's got massive balls as well. You <laughs> make you make little jokes like this, and I've started to realise people actually believe you. Oh, okay. Like I actually have now happened to like put people off and be like, no, that was a joke. Why? <laughs> no, the race Rex thing wasn't a joke. Oh no, that's not a joke. No, your be. off season was stressful. My off season your, was terrible. Your contract negotiations were stressful. Yeah, it's just it's just become unaffordable now. Yeah, it's your fault. I'm here though. Yeah, we used to rent MX Vice on like 50p. And now it's like £1.50. Okay. But uh, anyway, there we go. Let's, let's, let's talk to Conrad. So Conrad, <clears> the, um, the weekend, obviously, coming into uh, the weekend, we were kind of here getting all excited. Well, I was excited because uh, obviously Southwest Massive was thinking that we're definitely on for a podium. I mean, you were probably thinking that you were probably on for a podium as well. Um, I can't believe you just <coughs> said Southwest <coughs> Massive. That is a Southwest Massive. Like you saying that actually made me want to kill myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said it. Okay. So, Continue. Uh, yeah. So, and I, I haven't even done all right, my lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Conrad knows he ruined your MXY's career. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if you know this, Conrad, but when I said uh, in support of you at the British Championship. No, it was at uh, Talavera 2015. Oh, okay. Your but, last time ever touching anything on MXY. I didn't go to Talavera in 2015. Pretty sure it's Talavera. I've never, no, I've never been there. You never went to Talavera? No. Oh, that had been on a one two five. Yeah, it was it when you were on a one two five. <clears throat> yeah, and basically I said, "Go on, comrade." And then you put in brackets Somerset accent. Yeah, and at on that... MX Vice Twitter during the race, <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <at laughs> that... and then he was banned. <laughs> so at that point, I was not allowed to tweet anymore. <laughs> so actually, I blame you, comrade. <laughs> so my uh, my uh, short lived career of <clears throat> tweeting live um, finished. Right there. Your fault. That was it. Yeah. So um, the weekend, coming into the weekend, obviously you're feeling good. Um, and then sort of talk us through, uh, talk us through sort of free practice in, in qualifying on Saturday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> going, into the, going into the weekend, I was feeling great. Um, obviously, it was a home GP coming up. We've uh, we done quite a lot of riding in the week down at my track. Um, and I was feeling good. It was perfect conditions for it down there. Um, so we went into the weekend with, um, <clears throat> with a positive mindset and, uh, yeah, hoping to come out with some solid, solid points. Um, so Saturday, Saturday when it started off, right, it started off not too bad. Um, free practice. I didn't really get a full lap in. Um, we were just, we were putting things together, but the bits I did do, I felt great. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, time practice in, uh, in the qualification race, they both, um, they both went good. I was more than happy in my speed. Um, I just struggled in the qualification race. I obviously, I had a very bad start. Um, I span up on the gate and, uh, and yeah, I had to come through from the back. Um, so it was quite a difficult race and the track this weekend was, um, was pretty fast. So it was hard to, uh, hard to find places to pass. Um, but I managed to find some good lines that worked for me and, um, <clears throat> I worked my way through the pack and I got on the back of fourth, I think with maybe four four or five minutes to go um and i just clipped the rear end of him and uh i went down um and then from then on i picked myself up and and straight away when i got up there was uh there was kind of like a group on the back of me so i had to um i had to refocus straight away and try and hold my position um but yeah i managed to um i managed to hold that position and i actually uh i actually caught back up to um Vial, i think it was at the time and um I got back past him and then um, got on the back of Evans, which was, he was in fourth. So it's, uh, I managed to cross the line in fifth. So overall, that was, um, that was a good race for me. So, <coughs> <coughs> uh, 
Are you so, okay? Yeah, I'm just dying. Um, yeah, I don't know if you know that. Uh, the weekend, I did actually lose my voice. So um, it's come back uh, quite considerably. So, um, But I've just had a little panic attack right there. So I apologize uh, for that, Rob. You might need to edit that one out or just leave it in. Fuck it. Um, uh, <laughs> so um, the, the track actually Saturday looked really, really good. I mean, it looked really soft in lots of lines. Lots of wait, lines. wait, 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 wait. You say the track looks soft. I got told it wasn't ripped. Like, it needed to be ripped a shit ton more. And normally we'd argue about this, but now we've actually got someone to, like, see who's right. Oh, okay. Did it need to be ripped more? Um, I think, I, I don't know about Rit, but for sure they needed to put, I think they needed a bit more water down at the start of the day. Um, because yeah, I wouldn't say it was, I wouldn't say it was that soft, to be honest. It was actually quite, it was quite hard. Um, but they, they, it, it turned out a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to like, I thought it was going to get really dry. Um, but they did manage to manage to keep it in quite good conditions, but yeah, I would say the ground was it was quite hard compared to what is usually like there. They usually rip it quite deep, and there's usually a lot of lines. But then I I went and looked at a track at the end of Sunday, and it was very bumpy. Like it was, I was quite surprised how rough it actually got. To be honest, um, so yeah, it wasn't the the track was good. I I enjoyed it. It was just yeah, it was quite hard. I suppose. What was there any difference between <clears throat> Saturday and Sunday with the track at all? Um, yes, yeah, Sunday Sunday they put a lot more water down. Um, like a few sections, uh, they, they did put quite a lot of water down, whereas Saturday, I didn't think they were, I don't know if they were maybe expecting a bit of rain or something. I'm not too sure, but they didn't put an awful lot of the water down. Um, and it still got quite liney, but not, I didn't think it got very rutty. And then Sunday, it just kind of started to rip up and get rutty and bumpy then. Ah, uh, cool. So, um, the, uh, Obviously, the, the free practice, uh, time practice went really well. I mean, qualified third in time practice. And then coming into, um, like you said, into the qualifying race, I, I didn't actually realize you went down um, at, at one point. So um, that's news to me. So it's good that I keep my finger on the pulse with these types of things. <coughs> um, Southwest Massive is like not very strong, oh, apparently. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, one thing which did impress me was your speed throughout the day. You looked really, really fast. And, um, and we've seen that. We, we talked about this um, back in Argentina with the way that you came through the pack. So you didn't get the best starts in Argentina, but you, you were one of the fastest guys, or what seemed one of the fastest guys coming through the pack in Argentina. So is it a case of, of kind of like trying to get that start? Yeah, for me, like um, I think nearly every race I've had this season, I haven't been able to get out the gate. Um, and I've had to, I've had to fight my way through the pack, but it's, um, it, I, there, there's some laps where I'm, where I'm putting purple sectors in and I'm going the fastest man on track. So it is, uh, it's very frustrating because I do, I would like to just get out that start inside the, um, inside the top five or 10 and just see where I can go with that. But <clears throat> I'm more than happy in my speed. I'm, I'm happy in my fitness and my strength. Um, and it's nice to have, um, the last couple of years I lost the, uh, I lost the fight in me a little bit, which was, uh, which was a big problem for me. It was um, when I didn't get the start, I struggled to come back through and I struggled to, to really fight my way back up there. But now I've, um, now I've got that back and it's nice, to, um, it's nice to know that if I do get a good start, I can fight my way back into the top five. Um, so yeah, it would be nice, to, um, be nice to get a start and that's what we're really focusing on is, um, is trying, to, trying to get a good start over the, um, over the next couple of races. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can start climbing our way back up the leaderboard. You say that you were uh, get, like got the fight back in the off season. 
<clears throat> and I know you said that when I interviewed you at Lommel, like that was a big thing. How do you like even do that? Do you just sit down and talk to people and be like, yeah, I'm going to do this now? Like, um, no, it's difficult. It's, it's hard to explain really. I mean, it all comes with, it all comes with confidence and how you're feeling in yourself. And if you've had a great off season and a great, and a great winter training camp, um, then I think you, you kind of, you kind of believe in yourself and you, and you believe in your potential potential of where you could, uh, where you could finish up. So it's, um, yeah, I think it, it all comes as a package really. I think the, the mental strength, um, and everything like that comes, comes together in, in a package of how, how good your off season was really. It's the easiest way to put it, just <clears throat> eliminating the bullshit, like making sure that everything around you, like kind of needs to be there. There's no distractions. There's not, basically there's nothing at the races or in the week that takes your mind away or puts you off or anything like that. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's just literally all it is, is just putting them pieces of the puzzle together. You know, they, you, you've got them all there, but the most important thing is obviously putting it together and, um, and making sure you're doing everything right. Um, on that <clears> note, it's kind of, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and I kind of know that, um, obviously you've got Jamie Dobb in your corner who looks after um, management side. Does he help with like the coaching and the mindset and that type of stuff as well? Or does he just leave it to the finance? Does he just take care of the financial stuff? Um, I mean, Jamie and, uh, and his whole family actually have, have helped me a lot in the past. Um, they, they've took me on, um, under their wing. I've, I've lived at their house. Um, and they have, they've taught me a lot of things. Um, and I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Uh, so they have the whole of, whole of last year. Like I said, my, my whole training camp was up at his house. Um, we done, uh, we done the whole winter training at a gym near his and, and I felt fantastic. You know, I felt great in, uh, and this year we we took a lot on from that last year. Um, apart from I had a, uh, I, I've got I've got a new trainer this year. Um, Paul Ryman, he's doing a fantastic job. Um, and yeah, it was just we took a lot on from last year. Like I said, like we picked bits out and things like that, and then we just done what worked for me, kind of thing. So it was um it was good. We like like I said, we didn't we didn't take the whole plan and we didn't make up kind of um make up the whole thing we just took bits that worked for me and uh and put it all together and then yeah so far it's um it's working good it's interesting because uh sort of growing up i've kind of known you for the mm. quite a few years now and you were predominantly quite small when you were younger and it's amazing that uh the growth spirit what you've had because you're a lot taller than your dad as well yeah i know it's um the last few years especially you know it's um i've uh i've shot up a lot um I could actually do with being how small I was a couple of years ago, actually, because then I might get around the start and inside the top <laughs> 10. Um, so yeah, it's a shame that I have grown. Um, but no, um, it's good. I feel good in myself and um, I think I've got, uh, I've got a lot of strength in things. So hopefully um, when it comes to Lommel in the last five or 10 minutes, that, that should pay off. One of the things which I've um, found quite interesting is obviously being local followed you throughout the years. And um, is the expectation what you had on your shoulders? There must have been. There's always been expectation on you. I mean, how do you even deal with that? Because you're a kind of a young kid at that sort of, you know, 12, 13, 14, going racing the Dutch Masters, and you had all this kind of not pressure, but you had a lot of people you know, constantly saying you're the next big thing, you're the next big thing, and then you get the opportunity to go onto the KTM Red Bull program. I mean, you're quite. You're, you know, you're still really young now in, in going back to those, how much pressure was on you? Um, it was a lot. I mean, what in the 85 days in, in 2012 and 2013, um, I think I was still a little bit too young to think about expectations and, and think about how much pressure was on me. Um, 
back then I was just a kid that was just, <clears throat> just loved riding my bike. And I just, I just went out and, and tried to win every race. And, uh, and back then it was, um, I was pretty dominant in them classes and, and everything was going well. And then I got the deal with, uh, with Red Bull Factory KTM, um, on the one, two, five. And I think from then on, it started to, um, then the pressure started to get to me. I had a, uh, I had a crash in the off season leading up to that, um, leading up to my first, um, year on the one, two, five with KTM. And, uh, I dislocated my shoulder, so I didn't really have the off season that I wanted to. Um, and then like I was saying earlier, when, when, when the off season doesn't go right, it's, it's the confidence and the, in the mental state that isn't, um, that isn't great throughout the whole year. So it was, uh, it was a difficult time for me that first year. Um, but we, uh, yeah, from, from then on, we've grown and, and we've, um, we've learned a lot of things from that and, uh, we've put it in the past. No, that's cool. It's just, um, you know, from, from the, an outside person looking in, it's, you, you never know kind of, um, what these kids are going through. I mean, is there any advice? I know we're going off subject here, but is there any advice what, uh, these kids, which are just coming into the dads are pushing them into Dutch masters and they're at the BYC and, um, you know, looking at the, the, the first steps, I mean, you've got people like Joel Rizzi and, and that's, you know, these riders which are coming through. What, what, what one piece of advice would you give those guys coming through? Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult for me. Like, obviously, when I, when I left the UK to go, in, um, to go and race in Europe and the Dutch Masters and things like that, um, I was, the speed was there, you know. I, I went straight out there and uh, I think I finished top three in my first race. So I think the... The, the competition in British motocross, I think it is, it is pretty solid. Um, there is, there's a lot of good, there's, there's a few good riders coming up. Um, so I think when you, when you do make that move to, to the Europeans and things like, and things like that and the Dutch masters, um, you've just got, you almost just got to believe that you belong there, you know, like these, the, the speed is there. And obviously Joel Rizzi, he's a, he's a fantastic rider, um, coming up through, he's got a lot of talent um and i'm sure he's going to do well and it's just it's just a process of of believing that of believing that you belong there and and, and those kids are, are no different to what you are they're all human you know <laughs> do you feel like that whole ktm being an emx 125 like was too much too soon because like you say you'd never raced on that scale before you'd never had that kind of team that kind of guidance so like it seems like a lot was happening really quickly. Do you think that was kind of tough to adjust to? Um, yeah, it was very tough. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say it was, it was too soon. It was just, I didn't, I didn't have the preparation I needed throughout the off season. You know, it was just, I, I came into that. I came into that first race with no bike time, no, no physical state, nothing because due to that injury, um, which was quite close to the season. So it was, I don't know if it was, it might have been too soon con- considered of what have happened. Um, but obviously if, if all things went well and that, that injury never happened, then I could have had a, I could have had a good off season and then things might have gone differently, you know, but we never know. We can't look back on them things and, and that's what happened and we got to deal with it. I guess that's one of the tough things as well. Like when you have a team with three riders who are all amazing, like you were struggling with this shoulder thing, but then you've got Prado and Natsuki who were winning and had come in at 100%. So you're always being compared to those, even within the team, I guess. Whereas obviously now, all eyes are kind of on you, or at least 50-50, and that's more of a, a situation where you can kind of thrive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was difficult having, uh, having two teammates that are obviously battling for, the, for first and second. Um, and ideally, we should all have been in the top three, but it, was, uh, it wasn't, um, like I said, it wasn't a great year for me. So, <clears throat> But now, yeah, it's good. Now I have a, um, 
I have a fantastic team around me. I have some good people. Um, I've actually gone back to uh, back to the 85 days now with the people I got around me and the trainer and things. Um, so it's nice to uh, it's nice to get them uh, them people back around me and um, and feel comfortable again. Um, but the team are doing a fantastic job. They're uh, they're very relaxed. They're it's a, it's a family team, you know, and that's always that's always what I've liked and uh, and what's made me perform the at my best. You mentioned that you're like confident, comfortable, all of that. Realistically, when do you think the last time that you felt this good or happy was? Um, when I won the the Junior Worlds on the eighty five, that was the last time I've uh, I felt like this. To be honest, and that's um, it's a big confidence booster for me this year to uh, to have felt this again and felt the felt the way I feel now, and and just being back with everyone that I know that what works for me, you know they they all know they all know me better than anyone, and um, yeah, it's good to uh, it's good to feel like that again. So that's cool. So the the trainer here with is that who you had back in the day? Yeah, Paul Ryman. He's just come back on this year, and that was that was who I uh, who I obviously won the world title with. And yeah, cool. So he kind of like understands where you are, understands you, what your body needs to do, um, and and obviously has a history of kind of what he's he's done with you to get you to this point. So that's quite interesting. Is there any other people who have have, have been sort of you've brought in from from the old days? Um, I'd say that that's, that's the biggest one, you know, as obviously my, my dad now he's, um, the last few years, he didn't have uh, much involvement in me. Um, he came to the races to support, but, but that was about it. And then now this year, he's my, um, he's my practice mechanic. So we, uh, get in Steve, we're going, uh, we get, he comes to the track every day with me and, uh, you know, there ain't a day goes by that we don't argue, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a good father and son relationship in, like I said, he knows me better than anyone, and it's um it's nice to have him there every step of the way. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can get the job done together. Are you paying him in team biscuits? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's paying me to put up with it. Oh yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Sorry about that, Steve. <laughs> so um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about um the expectations the weekend. Did you feel any expectations the weekend going in? Um, I wouldn't, I tried to keep the expectations out of my head. I just, the way I felt, I was, I, I, I wanted obviously good results and it would, it would have been a dream come true to, to obviously get on, get my first podium at, um, at a home race. But it was, it was all looking towards going that way. And then just, uh, a couple of issues, um, caused us to, um, to, yeah, not get the, the points on the board that we wanted, but it's, um, yeah, it happens and, uh, we, we go from there. I think, um, you know, after the first race, you know, wh- where you were and, and what happened, we could see your frustration as you came over the finish line. It's like, uh, I think it's good in a way that um, people can see how much you want it because I've seen you kind of banging the bars and your head going down and, and up. And do you know what? That's a good thing. It's a good thing because people can actually see, you know, how much that meant to you, you know, in, in what you're doing. So, uh, you know, everybody who was kind of like in pit lane was actually like a little bit bugger. <laughs> but it's you know you've got kind of a you know you've got to look towards Falcons Five this weekend I guess press the reset button and, and try again. Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, it's um it was difficult for me. I was actually talking about it with uh with my team um after the race. Like if you would have gave us a a sixth place in Argentina, I would have been over the moon with that. I'd have been like, yeah, it's a good start. We can uh, we can go from here, but. <clears throat> The fact is, is that I was obviously fighting for third position and um, yeah, it was, it was difficult because obviously not, 
not many people know how hard you've actually you've actually worked to um to achieve them things um and when you're in that position um it was uh it was difficult that it got taken away from me but still it could have been a lot worse i could have not finished at all so i'm thankful that it's uh that i still managed to cross the line and sit and uh we kind of spoke a little bit before the show and you mentioned that um you had a little crash on the on saturday and you, you didn't realize, but you still felt a little bit of the effects on sort of Monday. Is that still the case now? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I obviously went down in the qualifying race um, and I jumped straight back up with the adrenaline. It was just, uh, I just wanted to get back on the bike. Obviously, I was in a good position. I wanted to put myself in a good position with the Sunday. Um, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not injured or anything. I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit sore, feeling a little bit stiff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I hit the ground quite hard, but it was, um, it was a tough day. It was. It was tough on uh, on Sunday because um, I had, like I said, I had, I had a hard race. I had to come from the back, um, so it was quite hard on the body. But um, no, it's good. I'm resting up this week, and then uh, hopefully we can have a solid weekend next weekend. So, uh, do you get a little bit excited, like looking forward to Valkens fired in the in the sand? I know you like the sand. So, uh, I mean, how do you know everybody's gonna? The expectations are gonna be are gonna be there from from the British public again. Um, you know what what were your goals uh, coming into the season um coming into the season i just wanted to first of all i just want to focus on just making every round you know like i haven't done a full gp season yet um due to injuries and little niggles and things like that um but yeah i just want to i, I want to complete the full season be consistent and um overall i would like to finish in the in the top seven or eight of the world championship oh that's cool so going into valkensvard this weekend you're kind of looking in that, okay, I need to try and consolidate this championship position and you're going to be going again for sort of top seven, top five. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try in, uh, this weekend, I just need to really focus on my starts. You know, I'm trying to, um, one thing I'm really focused on at the minute is not looking, not looking towards the end of the race and not looking towards the overall result. I'm just trying to focus on what's in front of me at that time. And that's the start. Um, I'm just looking to, to get out the start in, in a half decent position. Um, and then from then on, we look towards the race and, and focus on, uh, on bringing it home and getting a good result. You mentioned it there, but like to keep yourself this happy and this confident and this comfortable, I guess the biggest thing rather than looking at goals or race finishes is to not get too hung up on like Matterly where things didn't go how you wanted. Now you need to kind of focus on putting that in the rearview mirror and just moving forward all the time rather than getting hung up, thinking about it too much and then letting it affect you for weeks and weeks on end. Yeah, definitely. You know, Matt Ali's in the past now. Um, it could have gone, it could have gone two ways, and it it went the way that we didn't really want it to. But um, no, Monday morning we got straight back to work, and uh, yeah, after Sunday the weekend's done. You know, we we focus on the next weekend, and um, we just try and make sure that that doesn't happen again. We talked about it after the race, but uh, what we got to do to fix your starts because they are literally like terrible, just terrible. <laughs> Give me yeah. a 450. Yeah. Let me have a play four. it down, Lewis. Play it down. Thanks, Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll hold him. You just punch him. <laughs> no, I know. They're um yeah, we're having uh the starts aren't great at the minute. We're um we're in a bit of a problem with them, but we're uh we're gonna we're gonna try and fix it. But it's um yeah, it, it, in a way it's the it's the it's not the least of my worries, but it could be worse. I could not have the speed and the fitness and I could have the starts, you know. So I'm I'm fine that I'm I'm not starting in a great position. I'm moving forward. I'm I'm happy with that at the minute. Um, but because then when the time comes and I do get that start, then hopefully I can stay at the front and then um, we can push for podiums. But yeah, we're really working on them. We already um, we already had a step in the right direction on the weekend. Um, 
with with the start um obviously it didn't didn't pay off massively but um we uh we we fixed a few problems um towards the end of the day on sunday um which hopefully is going to uh it's going to work this weekend but um yeah we'll see one of the um the hot topics what uh, lewis and myself have been talking about on the podcast this year uh within mx2 is that the you know looking at the top um <clears throat> 17 riders um all 17 have the potential to to finish top five is this would, would you agree that this is one of the the toughest um not toughest years but a, a year where there seems to be a lot of riders who are in the right place at the right time yeah definitely i mean obviously the my first couple of years in mx2 were tough you had um you had some great riders you had sewer you had hurlings you had fernandez and um, you had some fantastic riders but uh i think especially now um it's a massive mix-up you know like you never know who's going to win one race to the next um so it's it's exciting it's um it's definitely a good uh it's definitely a good time in um in the mx2 world championship um for, for especially for the fans um because you never really know what's going to happen and um yeah someone can just sneak a win in out of nowhere i mean did you see um you know another thing which i, I still can't get my head around is did you, did you see tom vial coming in in in, in podium this year yeah, I I did to be honest. Um, and the, I think the reason why is I think if you put, he he's obviously a good rider, you know. He's he's had some good results in EMX. Um, but if you um, I think if you put a, a a solid rider on that team with with that program and that bike underneath you, um, then I think you 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 you're you're already putting yourself in a fantastic position to get on that podium. Um, and the same happened with Prado. You know, it was the uh, the that the first couple of races he just he got a fantastic start got a whole shot and then yeah he might it was his first few races in mx2 so you can't blame him but he he, he dropped back a little bit and then each race you, you you last a lap longer a lap longer a lap longer and then before you know it you've got your first win and um that's that's the most important thing about the starts is being able to get out that start which obviously the machine that they're on is is almost guaranteed every race um and just being able to hold on as long as you can and then before you know it it's his it's his second round and he's landed on the podium. So um, on, on that note, have you ever been like close to, to joining that team at all? Um, not at the minute. Obviously, I had my, my chance back in the 125s, um, which was it's obviously completely different to, to, to what it is now and where I am now as a person. Um, so I'd love to have that shot again. Um, but no, at the minute, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. We're, we're doing great. We're making progress. Um, and yeah, hopefully I can get some fantastic results with this team. Uh, going back to the start, I guess the best thing about it is it is something that you can fix. Like there's lots of things that could happen at the races which you kind of know you can't do or you're not capable of. But starts, it could literally turn around this weekend. It's just one setting or one little technique thing or even just confidence. Like you know that that is going to turn around eventually, and when it does, you've kind of then got the full package. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what that's what I was saying. By is it is somewhat an easy fix, you know? It's um. We could have uh, we could have got to the got to the first round and be like, oh, like we're we're not fit at all. Like we we had we got a load of work to do, and then you got to wait to the next off season. So it's um, luckily all that's there, and we've put in the work. And um, yeah, we've just got one little fix left, and then when that happens, um, I think we should be away. What about the uh, the grid thing that everyone's talking about at the moment? Everyone's kind of sussed that there's a green versus black thing going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Um, it's uh it's a difficult one it was only until uh until Matt Ali that we've kind of started to think it um just 
every time like you you watch the you watch Caroli or Prado they're always on a black grid um and they always seem to get the whole shot so uh yeah it's um but no especially like I went up to Matali on um up on the start and Sunday evening um and I actually went in and inspected it and had a feel of both of the grids um and me personally I could feel a little bit of a difference which may be causing the slide um but I'm not too sure, you know. I think a few teams have clicked on it, um, so we'll have to see. I don't know if um, if MXGP will look into it and uh, and yeah, maybe make a change. Even that could be one of like the mental things that goes against you on the start. Like there may be nothing there at all, but even if in the back of your mind you have this slight inkling that green's worse, and you look down on the start and you're on a green gate, that could be then the thing that impacts your start. Like starts, I don't think people realise just how mental starts can be. No, yeah, it's a massive thing, you know. It's um, I think it's not just down to your technique and how good your bike is. It's down to obviously mentally and in your reaction times and things like that. So there's a lot of things it could be. Um, but we're um, like I said, we're working on it and hopefully we can get it sorted as soon as possible. If it helps, I I don't know if you've seen, but I've actually got a new video camera. So I'm now part of the MX Vice video team. So um, I can go over to KTM if you want and go around my little camera and see if what engine bits they got. Yeah, that would be perfect. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be and ideal. Your, is it like a magnet? Could you pick things up for us as well? I might be able to just put some things in my pocket. You could have one good, of those yeah. um, call boxes that people go along with on the beach. You put it down and it's oh, like, yeah. it sucks things up. <laughs> yeah, like just take up a whole engine. Like, yeah, and just put like, it in over the engine. <laughs> Comrade, I've got this. <laughs> and then the other thing which I can do is uh, they won't notice, but I could actually get some gaffer tape. And we could gaffer tape the green on the um, on the start grids if if that helps. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Because... Or you could just be there with your paintbrush before you pick your gate. <laughs> yeah, and I just have like a nice that, yeah. red one or something. From, you know, we're all from the southwest. We've got to stick together. Yeah, mate. that's exactly right. Work as a team. <laughs> you say we all. I'm not. Oh yeah, don't drag me into that. Yeah, he's a bit posh for us. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't know a farm if <laughs> it. He walked in the one <laughs> and a horse licked his face. I don't even know what any of that means. That could have gone. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. That could have gone somewhere else. I wouldn't know a farm if a horse came along and licked my face. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's a great joke. Well done. You know another Brilliant. anatomy of a horse. Anyway, um, comrade, awesome to have you in, and I really appreciate your time because we know that you're busy hopping between GPs. And um, good luck for this weekend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Twenty Four MX, Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24mx.com to shop now. BMX Vice Show. So, our first guest. Dan. Dan. Were you happy with that? First time we've ever tag-teamed an interview. That just sounds so wrong, mate. No? It, it, it wasn't a threesome with Conrad. I feel, I feel much better about interviews when I do them alone, to be honest. I feel like you were really getting in the way. But <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, if you want to hear a interview with Conrad with James Eliminated, then uh, there's one from Matterley Basin on MX Vice. Do you know what I think would be cool? Is to um, I won't let you answer that. You just die in the corner. What um, would be cool? I think what would be quite cool is to it be you know, I think it'd be quite nice to sit down with Conrad and discuss kind of different parts of his career coming through. That's interesting that you think that could be cool because wouldn't wasn't that what I just said that I wanted to do with Conrad? Before yeah. he left. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you've just basically told me what would be cool is my idea. Yeah. Basically, I'm, I want to start doing like... Well, one, you, you wasn't going to bring it up. I basically want to start doing like one-on-one podcasts with these riders of like their career, like over the years, like this year, then this year, then this year, then this year. 
Why would you not want me included? Because there's no need. Oh. <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> wow. Do you, because well, with you, it would be like, I'd be like, so Conrad, you rose a Husqvarna in 2017. And then you'd go, really? Did you? And we don't need her. <laughs> he didn't. What? He didn't ride one. 2017? No, didn't ride one. I was trying to think of what the year would have been. Yeah, 2017. Surely. No. Because last year was his first year of Hitachi, and before that he was on Husqvarna. No, he's on a Suzuki. Oh, wow. That took, you took way too long to get that joke out. Well, I was waiting for you. Anyway. Spit ill, weren't you? Moving on. Okay. Although I'm the co-host, I guess I'll carry the show now, because you're <laughs> how, just How did busy. you flinch that much at me throwing a piece of paper at I'm you? just going to carry the show, because he's terrible, so the co-host is moving up in the no, world. No, I... Well... Yeah, let's just say thanks to Conrad. He's off now to do some physio, hang out with some birds. Moving you know, on to as usual. Moving on to ask vice anything. Hashtag ask vice anything. Does that actually work? Da, 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 da. Oh, don't do that thing again. What? Well, I, I tell you what. Don't we do, do need a, like a jazzy intro? Do we? Uh, no, we don't. Oh, just ask the questions. Okay. Question number one. Phil Malins. Malins? Malins. Yeah, we've seen him in the weekend. Yeah. Malins? Hi, Malins. Phil. I've never actually learned how to pronounce that properly. Well, is it the same as Paul Malin? Well, I've also struggled with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck my life. Phil Malins asks, yeah. what was the official attendance of Matterley? I know it. What do you? Hang on. Is this the official attendance yes. or is this the Friday plus a Saturday plus a Sunday attendance? The official weekend crowd attendance. So this is Friday plus Saturday plus yeah, Sunday? Yeah, I guess so. So I guess... Well, I know it, so let's see how good you can, how close you can get. Okay, if they're including riders, people, stewards, everybody there, marshals, probably say 5,000 on Friday, uh, 10,000 on Saturday... 15,000 Sunday, so 30,000. You're actually very close. Well, what was it? Uh, 35,000 was the weekend crowd attendance released by Ustream, which is actually, it was 35,000 in Argentina as well. But let's break it down because you have to, they, they do this by adding Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not kind of like, um, and then they include everybody within the paddock, don't they? Uh, well, I don't know, but it's just listed as a weekend crowd attendance. I'm pretty sure. So um, I'm. Right, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that one. I might be wrong. Oh, either way, 35,000 was the weekend crowd attendance. Yeah, so, it, so the crazy thing is, if you said to people who were there, there was 35,000 people there, then people are just going to go, no, there wasn't, because I was there Sunday, and there was only, like, 15,000. But this is what the thing is, if you add Saturday, the, the Sunday, and, and the, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday together, and that's where they're getting those figures from. Yeah, it is listed as a weekend crowd Brilliant. attendance. Okay. But I definitely, I would say maybe 15... 18, 19, maybe on Sunday, I would have thought. Uh, I don't know. It's so hard to tell with like the vast valley. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, what's going on with your phone? Oh, I need to put it in my pocket because it's vibrating. You should on the do table. something with it. Jesus. I mean, what are we in? Four in and you're still bringing your phone? Your phone's right there. It's silent. Yeah, so is mine. I don't know why it's vibrating. Well, I don't know either. Um, anyway, that question's done. Yeah. Next. On to question. Number two, from Keegan Belton. Okay. Why is Max Anstey's fort guard hanging off and why is he not on a Kawasaki? Now, <laughs> this sounds like a ridiculous question, but there's a reason I picked it. Okay. 
Well, I'm guessing he's not on a Kawasaki because he's signed by yes. KTM. But the reason I picked it is Kawasaki are going to be quite big movers in the old City Season game this year. Because I believe both DeSalle and Lieber's contracts are up. Okay. So the reason I picked this question is because who knows who will be on a Kawasaki next year? Because there's a lot of guys who could potentially go for that position. So someone's just asked you a question and you've just completely given them an answer which is not even... Well, I just wanted to talk about it. So, so you basically just picked up someone's question, which we don't <laughs> actually know why. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, okay. it was just a yeah. segue. Well, what, I, I yeah. don't know. Why isn't he on a Kawasaki? Because he signed for standing construct KTM. There you go, Keegan. But that, exactly, that's the answer. I I'm now going to move on to my what I wanted to say about Kawasaki. But you and just how wanted to get that in there, didn't you? With both riders... You obviously heard something around the pits. No, not at all. I just know that both riders' contracts are up. So I feel like that's going to be quite... Because who knows what DeSalle's going to do? Who knows what Lieber's going to do? There's you, a chance that they're going to clean house complete. Do you see uh, any, any from staying on? Well, I don't know if DeSalle's even going to... Would DeSalle retire? I guess not, because he's still oh. doing really well. So Yeah, and he's not that old, is he? No. But then I feel like there was talk of that when he first signed this contract, but this could, like, he may not race beyond that. Okay, well, we'll have to see. But is there anything else you want to comment on, on that one? No, no, I'm done with that one. No, that the, the sun is yellow or the grass is green because it's Kawasaki? Uh, Jason Kentworthy on Facebook asked, cool. do you think the British GP could do with a venue change? And if so, which track could host it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, everybody's got an opinion on this. I, I got a f- Someone replied to that saying Fox Hills. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and the most just, I, I love Farley Hungerford, but that's never going to be a GP track, is it? So, uh, you know, my... My thought process is when you walk down through Matali and you look at all the work, the infrastructure that's been done to create that as a, as a GP, we need to keep it. Whether you, you know, a lot of this goes hand in hand now with the structure and the makeup of the place, um, as, as well as how good the track is. You only have to have a look at Formula One with the infrastructure, the facilities, everything comes together to make that decision to, to run a Formula One race. Let's just say we're at that level. And it's exactly the same. You, you can't just have a track in the middle of a field. How are you going to get 35,000 people plus God knows how many million pounds worth of equipment into um, a field? I just don't really see why people would want it to move from Matali anyway. Like, what is there to possibly complain about with that track? It's got everything. It's got viewing. It's got layout. Every, every rider likes it. So it's not even like that track specifically is disliked by riders or anything like i literally cannot come up with a single idea why people would want it to move it's got a parking there's a town nearby southampton that's got restaurants hotels so even that's easy the track's even got history at this point because obviously held donations twice lots of gps so it's not like it's just this random circuit that's been laid out and has no character to it it's kind of got that old school feel seeing as a See, it as it's kind of natural. I mean, it's in a natural valley, isn't it? It's not in a, it's yeah. not in a uh, road and, race facility or anything like that. And it's, one thing, it's got to be the viewing. I, yeah, I covered that while you just ran out of the room. <laughs> well, I, was, I was dead. My eyes are watering and uh, I was nearly had a, well, I don't know if you heard me, but voices go in and I've had a massive coughing fit. <clears throat> I feel good though. You know, I feel great. Life's good. Roll on next week's podcast, which will be a big improvement. Yeah. No, one of the things which I love about Masley is, is, is basically viewing it as a fan. You can see the whole of the track, and there's not many tracks now on the calendar that you can do that. I just don't see what there is to complain about. Like, how could you possibly find a better track in the UK? 
that's got that ticks every single box. Yeah, like there isn't one. Yeah, I mean, I love Hawkstone. Hawkstone would be great, but again, it it suffers from some some of the infrastructure problems. And which track could host it if Matterly ever goes away for whatever reason? Who knows? Like genuinely, I can't even come up with a realistic suggestion. I mean, one of the things which I was, you know, I've been quite quite. Um, uh, I've raised a voice to this year is is if we don't have a British GP. I mean, there's a good chance that if we don't get the support behind it, that we could possibly be go quite a few years again without a GP in this country. But it had good support behind it, I think. I think that, that box was ticked. Yeah, um, but it needs to carry on. Yeah. You can't just have one good year and then lose money over several years. You know, that the support, if, if people want to see a GP in this, uh, in this country, they need to actually go to support the GP. And on a similar note, uh, Pat Strana on Twitter asked, do we need to slow the circuit down with less smaller jumps? We do, but feel free to discuss and I can shake my head if you disagree. I think a lot of how fast it was was, done, was down to prep. Yeah. On the other hand, I feel like the old layout was slower. Yeah. So I think I might have preferred the old layout, but then I can't even really remember it, to be honest. I, I think I, I would like to see less jumps and less... But I, is there really that many jumps? No, I mean, the big uphill triple is really fun to watch and stuff like that. But, but like, I feel like there's plenty of straights without jumps. Yeah, it, I, I'm just one of those guys which just wants to see a track lend itself to great racing. I like to see close technical, you know, technical tracks which produce close racing. So which kind of, I understand what people are thinking, kind of like slow it down a little bit. So we, so I guess we there isn't that. like every corner is quite fast and sweeping. There isn't really any like tight switchbacks where you have to probably pick your way through there. So yeah, I mean, one I of understand the, where that thought comes from. <clears throat> yeah, and I think if uh, you look at some of the lap times as well, the weekend, it's just, you know, it might have been when you're looking at the, the actual printouts that there was a change, but when you're looking at it with your eye, there wasn't that much movement. It just seemed to be the same gaps. Yeah. But obviously, from the, the calculations, there was changes, but it, it's not enough for people to, if they, if they do go down in the first corner, to be able to get back up in, in, in challenge everybody's still got enough to be able to keep it wide open. Again, you could say that's down to prep because had it rained or been watered more, well, it was watered more than enough on the uh, second day, but had it rained a lot, there would have been a lot deeper ruts, more lines, and then suddenly there's gaps changing all over the show. So I think a lot of it had it down to prep, how dry it was, which sounds insane to say. In March. Yep. But yeah. Could it be slowed down? Yeah. Does it need to be? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that fast. I don't know. And I don't think anyone really ever complains about how fast it is. No. So. No, no. What, what, what was the writer feedback on the track? Uh, in the podcast? A lot of, I think we've already covered this, but a lot of riders said it wasn't the best Matt Lee they've ever ridden, but it wasn't the worst. Okay. And that it needed to be ripped more. Right. So there we go. So maybe that would lend yeah, itself. Yeah, and, and the bumps were a bit different and it was all just much harder than normal. So Yeah. Okay. Change uh, is good sometimes. Harry Leverett. Yep. Asked. I like Harry. He always pops up on. Uh, yeah, same. That's why I social. picked two of his questions. Cool. Uh, how much of a, how much of a shock was it not getting a Brit on the podium? Surely Watson should have jumped on a chance with Prado out. It was his to lose, in my opinion, with his main rival being Olsen. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we both came into this weekend. I don't think it was just us. I think it was the whole of MX Vice. We were kind of thinking, this is the weekend where we're going to see not just one Brit on the podium, but possibly two Brits, and. Um, 
And obviously, we try and stay as um, uh, mutual. Uh, well, that wasn't a fear. That wasn't an idea or a prediction uh, built on hope. That was just obvious. No, but what I'm saying is that it's not like we we go out every weekend wanting a Brit to oh, be no. on the podium. It's just that um, it's it's the home GP, so it would be. We know how much you know for the atmosphere and everything else, and how great it would be for the riders. So um, yeah, I, I was I was quite shocked because I, I genuinely thought we had um, a bloody good chance this year. Of, of having one on e- in each class based what's, on what we've seen what's in, funny is in Argentina of the big six British riders Sterry, Muse Watson, Tommy Sean Bat- uh, Max five of those are much more suited to sand and therefore Matley isn't exactly like their favourite surface or one that is where a uh, place to their strong points it's quite funny to look at it from that point of view and all of these riders come to this home GP expecting big things but they're better equipped to achieve those big things at Volkswagen Yeah, true. So, but just okay. a funny thought. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was surprising because it was all laid out quite nicely and it looked realistic. But at the same time, if Max crashes in turn three, what are you going to do? If Ben crashes when he's battling towards the front in motor one, what are you going to do? If Muse's bike breaks, what are you going to do? If Sterry literally cannot have any good luck at all in the world, what are you going to do? Okay, he can't play luck. If Tommy is 35th on the line, what are you going to do? So what are you going to do? Nothing. Uh, Harry Leverett asked, (laughs) Okay. uh, what was with the lack of patriotic kit designs? Is is this not what the GP is all about? Even Van Horbeck had more on him. I think uh, it's always difficult with round two because a lot of the, the the brands have kind of like produced all their kit at the start of the year to keep them going. So for the, what happens is, you know, I'm, I'm not talking for the industry, but from my experience is that uh, for the start of the year, you kind of put your kit designs in for what you need. Um, and then that would be produced for uh, the first three rounds. And then I'm guessing because there is a, a break between um, uh, Trentino and Mantova, uh, teams will put after um, Trentino their kit for the next three or four races. So yeah, I, a lot I, of teams and riders have their rotations sorted for the next. Yeah, two GPs. I, th- I think it's probably just because we've been a little bit caught out um, with it being the second GP instead of like the seventh or eighth. In that, um, it's just all too soon. I think that's the probably if if, if anybody were to respond from the industry, I think that would be. That would be it. They've they've already kind of got set up for the for the start of the year, got all the kit out because it is the worst time because there's so many riders, so many kits. What's got to be sorted? Max had custom Fox gear last year, but even aside from that, I can't really think of too many uh, riders or British riders who have had patriotic gear at the British GP in recent years. No. Ben Watson had an awesome helmet uh, this weekend that was all custom uh, designed by Ryan Watson, and that looked amazing. But obviously, he just had normal moose gear on. That's cool. So there are little things out there if you look. Like uh, Max had a Union Jack on his peak. So I, I do know from um, uh, from my experience with JWI is that uh, the Swedish GP and Udevela because the team's from Sweden that um, they've actually got some custom kit from just one being produced. Oh, and uh, I believe Kevin Strybos um, has got and the rest of the team are going to be wearing custom kit for uh, Lommel. Wait, so Kevin Strybos is going to be at a Swedish GP wearing gear? No, 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 But sorry. it's like the Swedish flag? No, sorry. Yeah, so, so basically, um, yeah, Kevin Strybos and the rest of the team will be wearing a Swedish version of just one. How funny. For Udevela. And then for Lommel, the, the, the guys will be doing the same for, for Belgium. How funny. Yeah. Kevin's going to look like he's on a Swedish Destinations team. Yeah, there we go. 
next question is George Hopkins on Facebook said, uh, what's your top three for Vulcan Squad this weekend? Oh, God. We're really good at this, aren't we? Uh, I nailed it. I, so. I think you lied. I think once everybody plays back. back uh, Caroli. Right. Paul in. Yeah. Caroli, Paul in. Anstey. Wow. Wow. I'm actually not going to say Max this, this week because I think it's superstitious now. So if I don't say Max, he will get a third. So who are your picks? <laughs> so I'm going to go for... It's hard not to say Caroli. Because I think he, he will do very well. Crowley wins. 1-1. One, one. Okay. Um, I'm going to say mm, Crowley to Sal. Sal's not great in the sand. Cool, Lan. So we're both leaving Geyser off? Yeah. Interesting. I thought I was going out on a limb by not putting Geyser on the podium. Wasn't it Valkensvard where... Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm going to say. Yep. Where Conway got that amazing picture yep. of, yeah, of it all going wrong. Of him flying through the air. Yeah. It was also a Vulcan Vulcan side where he landed in a pond in the first corner. Yeah. I can actually remember that GP well because he actually came into the press center after to look at the pictures. Yeah. He was quite Because that was another crash that somehow he got up from and was completely fine. Yeah. The guy's literally made of rubber. Yeah. I think that's the best way of putting it. Uh, MX2? Uh, MX2, I think even if Prado comes back, I don't think he's going to... I think if he's going to come back and if he's as injured as people are saying, I think he's just going to come back and just try and get points. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go, I can't see anybody beating Olsen. Olsen's looking good. I'm going to go Olsen, Vlanderen, and Watson. I'm going to go Prado. Big one, bigger prediction, going out on a bit of a limb there, if you'll pardon the pun. Yep. Um, Olsen. Yep. And who do I want as my third pick? Who do I want? Actually, okay, scrap that. Prado, Watson, Vlandering. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, w- I will say, I think Sterry is going to bounce back this week, and I think Sterry's going to have a very good ride. We didn't touch on him much in MX2, but his Matterly basically is summed up by the fact that he had absolutely awful luck. Yeah, I think he just said on Instagram that we're just gonna we're gonna scrap that and move on. To be fair, I wonder if Sterry has ever had any good luck on a race because I can't ever I can't even remember a single instance where something went his way. No, but I do think I do think that he, he'll do very well this weekend. He should do. Yeah, I think didn't he win an EMX two fifty race there? A while uh, yeah, ago? yeah, I th- yeah, and twenty fifteen. Not only did he win, but he won by quite a margin. I think. Yeah, pretty sure he went one one. Yeah, yeah, twenty fifteen EMX two fifty. Yeah, and didn't he get moved up pretty soon after? I think he did. I think that's when he's on Steve Turner's team. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the EMX250 for a lot longer, though. Oh, was he? The following year, he went MX2. Oh, okay. Next question? Yep, yep, next one. Balls, balls, barley. Struggle with that one, I do. Yep. I think he's from the Ling Club, isn't he? Is it? Yeah. Do we think the GP calendar is too long? I think 15 is enough, but understand we need to sell it to other countries, and I believe Australia is going to happen. What would be the best way of putting? What would be the best way of putting it? Say three or four flyaways in a row. MotoGP do it at the tail end of the season. I understand the costs problems, but maybe more thinking should be put into it. Yeah, I mean, we only know it from a media side, and the cost is is huge. 
I mean, uh, we've got, we're up to five people now who we're taking to a GP. I do feel as though 18, 19, 20 is a good number though. 15 does seem a little short now. I can't really imagine going back to that. No, when was the last time we ran a 15 rank series? Probably 2012, 2013. Which was way before we started doing this full time. Yeah, we, uh, our first year, 2015, was basically the first year that we it started getting bumped up, I believe. Yeah. So, well, it's, yeah, I can imagine like, back in 2011 when we started MX Vice, we should have got in then. Anyway. It would have been way cheaper. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it should be short. And, and the reason I picked this question is because I want to talk about Australia. Well, actually, Australia. Yeah, well, hold fire on, on on Australia and where we talk about this because I, I I actually think this sits in quite nicely with um a national championship as well. Like in the moment, there is, and I'm talking about the UK anyway. And I don't know if this is the same as I think the ADAC is just one main championship. Um, French is one main championship, but in the UK, you've got three different things going on with the British Championship, MX Nationals, and Masters. And actually, at some point, someone's got to decide in this country. We've got 20 rounds of, um, uh, you know, a GP. And then there should be a further 10 rounds of a British championship, not what we've got at the moment. So this is a podcast for another day. But I do think if you're going to stick with a 20, then it needs to be one solid championship alongside, um, which is a good, good place for GP riders to come in, practice or come in. Because a lot of GP riders nowadays, and especially with the, how the calendar lends itself, we've got a Four and four week gap, maybe five week gap soon. Yep. So the rider is going to want to ride somewhere. It's too too long off of, off of a bike. So a national series still does have, um, you know, a place. But also at the same time, maybe we look to start a little bit later and reduce the ranks. I don't know, or maybe finish a little bit later. All I'm thinking is that, um, you know, previous years a lot of time motocross starts in February, and uh, the weather doesn't always lend itself. Um, to February. I mean, GP's now starting off in March. So, um, I don't know. Do we go a little bit later? I like the GP calendar as it is. Okay. Give me more, if anything. Okay, more GPs. I like it. If I could do a GP every weekend, I'd be so happy. Would you? That is I, might, of, I might die that, of That tiredness. was one of the reasons why you actually stayed, wasn't it? Because you, want, you, you would have missed the GPs. I like people in GPs. Yeah. I do. No, I think uh, it's a great question, and I think it's offered two different perspectives. I think, uh, I, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it, it's an expense. It's, it's very expensive, but it is the elite competition. On to Australia? Yeah, let's talk about Australia. What do we know about Australia? Right, so on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, uh, there was someone mulling around in a press room, like kind of gathering information. And talk to one of our colleagues, hey? Yep, and it turns out that that person was quite basically from the, uh, the promoters of the Australian GP and was fishing for information about infrastructure, what we as media would expect to see in the press room, yada, yada, yada. So then we got to talking, and event, they basically revealed that uh, they're looking good. They're, by, moment, by no means is this deal signed. Like, not, not close. So it's all speculation at this stage. But the fact that they're at Matterley should tell you something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, the deal is in the works for them to host the first... They told us it was the first round of the 2020 MXGP series in Perth, which is Western Australia. Okay. Uh, small population, supposedly. And it's going to be held in a horse-trotting stadium. Apparently, that's a thing. Horse-trotting ground. Really? What's it called? There's, there's a term for it. Horse-trotting something. A disaster? 
Horse-trotting... I don't know, I just like you trying to find this word. Horse-trotting... I think it's just called... Horse, I don't know. Like an equestrian centre. Yeah, basically. A horse-trotting something. I, I, I don't know the word. Someone correct me. You're really bigging this up. But it's. I can't remember what... Basically, it's like a stadium type thing. And what it was likened to is Charlotte, which I actually personally really, really thought was a good GP. So... It's not done yet, and they haven't got... Basically, they're trying to get government funding. So that seems to be the crux of things at the moment, from what they said. But this was all very hush-hush, and after speaking to the guy, we didn't put it out, thinking it was a secret. Then the promoter got on a tannoy <laughs> and announced to everyone that he was hoping to bring the MXGP series to Australia in 2020. So basically, it's out there now. So, yeah. Wow. It's by no means done. This is maybe the closest we've got to having an Australian GP which would be the first one since 2001. So hopefully it happens because it would be amazing. And if it does happen, I would presume that the series would go Australia, then Indonesia as a second round because you wouldn't. That makes sense. I, I, I'm just already thinking that I'm going to probably concentrate on British motocross next year. I'm looking forward to Perth. Bring on Perth. Anyway, as a... Although the guy told us that he was going to host the first round, when he got on a tannoy, he said he was going to host the second round. So, again, details are sketchy at the moment. It's by no means a done deal. There are a lot of moving parts that need to fall into place. Who knows whether it will happen. This is definitely the most hope there's been of there being an Australian GP. But I don't think anyone's going to complain about there being an Australian GP, surely. Like, it is... Oh, there will time. always be people. But it is time. Like, everyone wants to see Australia on the calendar, don't they? Yeah. Who doesn't, apart from maybe a few budget people? I'd like to see New Zealand. Well, I'd imagine if Australia begins to go well, that will happen. Unless the aim is that they're going to drag people from New Zealand across to Australia. To be fair, similar to the days uh, 2016, when we had Charlotte and then Glen Helen back-to-back, we could easily have an Australian GP in Perth and then another one in Australia on, on Eastern? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sydney area. Yeah. So that could even be one for the future. But this is the initial steps. Who knows if it will happen? If it doesn't happen, it wouldn't be a surprise. If it does happen, it, would be a, it wouldn't be a surprise either. Like, who knows yeah. what way this is going to go? But talks are ongoing and wheels are turning. That's a positive step. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm, excited for be- the, I'm excited for the series because this is just... I like seeing these things where it's just such a step forward. You just like the idea of going to Australia. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just positive. It's all... Uh, I'm not excited about getting the budget to go. Well, you can stay home. That'll save basically the money, won't it? Brilliant, thanks. You're welcome. You, you present problems, I solve them. Yeah, great. Any more questions? Uh, no, but what I was going to say is I like seeing... As I said there, I like seeing things move forward and stuff like... New stuff excites me. And there was quite a bit of new stuff at Matterley. Like Fox had the uh, Fox 74 show. Okay, yeah, that was pretty cool. Which actually really impressed me. Like it was literally faultless, I thought, for the uh, the first one especially. Yeah. Like going live, we're not even live. No. No, it's great. 100%. I like the the branding. I liked liked everything. It was just really cool. cool. Something that MXGP needs. Yeah. Uh, There was a simulator thing alongside the JWR warning. So that was new as well. 24 Max, yeah. Something a bit different. Yeah, that was cool. There's things going on. Yeah, there just seems to be a lot of new stuff happening. Like, uh, obviously, we've got a podcast show. That's new. Yeah. On Track Off Road are doing podcasts now. So Yeah, that's great. Podcasts are kind of hitting MXGP a bit, which I know is what people want. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, positive stuff. I like. I just like seeing new stuff. It's good to see that we're all we're all pushing forward. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. You're you're right. <laughs> Everybody has to see um, everything evolving and going forward. And you know, I think. Uh, there's always this thing going on about the media, but in media and MXGP, everybody works together and everybody tries to push together. The brands and in, 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 in the people within the industry obviously know the more that we can do and more that we can work together, then the more this is going to evolve. Here, here. Uh, Shame about the British. Do I have any more questions? No, I don't. That's all on hashtag Ask Vice Anything this week. Cool. Although there were a lot of questions that I didn't feature this week because. A few of them I have an inkling about, but this weekend in Vulcanswada, I'm going to get some properly official answers. Okay. So there's just a few about like bonuses and stuff that I kind of know, but I want to kind of present something a bit more get it concrete. Correct. Yeah. Not get it correct, because I'm pretty sure I am correct, but I just want to get some proper facts to present rather cool. than just, I think. And uh, before we finish up, how was your Amex manager team this week? Um, not good. Do you know how good mine is? Terrible? I don't know, because I've not even gone on. Oh, what, why would you say that? Because I've been ill. Oh, okay, so have I, but I've checked. Well, actually, I uploaded the results, so... Oh, okay. So, um, it'd be really good if... Uh, we want to know how you guys have got on. We've also got some amazing prizes coming up um, over the next couple of uh, uh, rounds, especially Valkensvard and um, Trentino, which we're going to release, and they're going to be some signed goodies for everybody. So... Um, Hold on, uh, well, get your teams in, get your team sorted for, uh, for Valkensvard and also for Trentino because wherever you come first or wherever you come 11,000th, it's not going to make a difference. Someone's going to win something. Here, here. <laughs> so that's poor. <laughs> and one thing, um, and we're right at the end of the show, but if, uh, if you do get a chance, um, one of our main sponsors is 24MX. They've got a, a pop up tent available for $59.99 and $79.99 uh, with, with rules. 59 without walls. So um, grab yourself a bargain and it helps us uh, carry on doing things like this podcast show. So, uh, Lewis, anything else to add? Um, You're I'd, just going to go off and die? I'd just like to say sincere apologies for my brain not really working on this one. I, I think I might be dying. Yeah, there's a good. There's, Someone there's, call me an ambulance. <laughs> you wouldn't believe this. Literally in front of us, we've got Lemsip, Hall Suvers, and in reality, I probably shouldn't have driven up here because I now feel like I'm not in a state <laughs> to drive home, home and I'm stranded. <laughs> yeah, but, so um, it's a miracle we got this done this week. But we just we wanted to get it done. Yeah. And um, if you don't hear from me next week, then presume that this killed me off. The great thing is I will be doing live updates on Twitter this weekend. I'm, I'm dying. Brilliant. Right. <laughs> See you guys next week. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX. Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24mx.com to shop now. BMX Voice Show.